Welcome back, everybody, to episode two of the Back Lounge podcast. My name is Tank, I'm your host, and I'm a retired roadie with over 15 years of experience in the touring music industry. And in this series, I'm going to get to sit down with band members, artists, other roadies, and anybody else in the music industry, and we're just going to have conversations about whatever comes up. And in today's episode, I have a very, very special guest. I have been really excited about this one. All the way from New Delhi, India. We had an 11 and a half hour time difference in between us to film this one, but we finally lined up the times right. I've got guitarist, flute player, and producer Karan of the Indian folk metal band Bloodywood. Now, normally I'd plug a sponsor in this podcast right here, but... Today, I'm not going to have a sponsor because I just want to talk to you guys about Bloodywood's latest album, and that album is called Rookshack. Now, it's been a really long time since I've had an album that I've been able to listen to from start to finish like this without skipping any of the songs, man. This album, in my opinion, is an absolute masterpiece. It's a work of art. I've been listening to it nonstop since it released, and even though it's still early in the year... I think by the end of 2022, this is going to be one of my favorite albums of the year. Now, the digital version of it released on February 18th, 2022, but the physical version, the vinyls and the CDs are going to release on April 8th. So there are still pre-orders available. And if you're one of the people that are watching this podcast on YouTube, I'll throw links in the description where you can go pre-order and directly support the band if you would like to. I thought this was one hell of a debut studio album, man. It is so awesome, and I can't wait to get this started. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Quran of Bloodywood. Quran, welcome to the podcast, man. Thank you very much for being here. How are you? Um, I'm good, and I'm very excited to be here. And I mean it. <laughs> yeah, dude, I have been looking forward to this. And for the people, the people that are listening, I just want them to know, like, how quick this came together. Like, yeah, I, I sent you a message on Instagram maybe like five days ago, and you were like, "Yeah, yeah, let's just do it, man." <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, because you know, um, even though like we haven't spoken ever, mm-hmm. okay, but for some reason, I feel I've known you for a long time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> dude, it's it's such yeah. a, a wild thing, man. Especially with the internet, where we like. You know, I, it's funny you say that because I've had other people say that too, that have, um, that have watched, watched the videos or whatever. But the Mm -hmm. other thing that helps too, is that, um, I find that when I talk to artists like yourself, my background from touring and working in the music industry also helps because Mm. usually when you or another artist tells me a story, I, I know exactly what you're talking about because I've been in those situations. Um, but man, let's just. Right out of the gates, let's just talk about this. Your brand new album just came out a few weeks ago. How are you feeling yeah. right now? Um, very satisfied. Yeah, dude, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I feel like you're being very humble saying that because not only oh, is no. it fantastic, <laughs> but I saw you know US Billboard charts, UK charts, all over the iTunes mm. charts, and... I haven't seen a response to an album like like this positive in so long, man. It's like every single person I've talked to is just so overjoyed. And even I said on one of my streams, like, 
this album from start to finish exceeded mm -hmm. my expectations so much that it's all I've been listening to for three weeks. Oh man, amazing. Thank dude. you so much, dude. Thank of, you so much. I'm course. so glad you enjoyed it. Oh, it's <laughs> it's it's so great. One thing I wanted to ask you though, I saw um did something happen with SoundScan or something? Because I saw that a lot of your album sales didn't even get counted. Yeah. So uh what happened was um there was some miscommunication between us and the distributor. Um honestly, there's no one to blame. Okay? Yeah. I I mean, it uh, so what happened was our physical release date got pushed to uh, April, eighth mm -hmm. of April. Okay, and you know, even though uh, you know the general belief is that things are moving towards the digital uh, digital area when it comes to music, but when it comes to our genre, the heavier side, you know, rock, metal, punk, people are still buying albums, mm -hmm. and that's where most of the uh, bands are able to chart from not from streaming not from digital sales yeah you know it's mostly from the purchase of cds and vinyls so you know it was huge it, it was very important for us that we chart because no one in india had done that before okay no artist from india had ever been on the charts on some of the charts that we uh, reached so it was very important for us and unfortunately it got pushed further and we didn't really know that, you know, um, sales don't count as long as they're shipped. It doesn't matter if people have paid for it. It's only going to count when things have been shipped. And uh, that's where all this fiasco came from. And un it's it's unfortunate. It's a very um, expensive lesson, <laughs> if I may. Yeah. But yeah, well, you know, there's a price you pay for being independent. And it's and, and I'll tell you what, too, like even in situations like this where it's not the best outcome, it's mm -hmm. lessons you know, you've learned for the next time. And, you know, that's yeah. happened to a lot of people and, and mistakes happen, man. I mean, nothing's perfect, yeah. but I mean, even with that, and it's funny you bring up the physical sales because I mean, you can see back here, I still order vinyls yeah. just, just purely to, I I'll be honest. I don't listen to a lot of them. Mm -hmm. I just do it when there's a band I like, I want to support yeah. directly and I just get the vinyl and it looks pretty cool hanging up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I and get I, that. I, I, get I, pre I pre-ordered your vinyl and I did notice that because, you know, the album released uh, the 18th of February, but I mm -hmm. noticed that the physical sales don't go out until the 8th of April, which, you know, yeah. totally fine. And with vinyl printing mm -hmm. right now, anyways, mm. manufacturing has been so bad that dude, there's albums that I ordered last year that I still haven't gotten now. Yeah. So, yeah, and it's yeah, you know, no big deal, but you um, know why that's happening, but it's because I'm sure you know this, but a very famous pop artist placed an order for half a million vinyls to be printed, yeah, right, yeah, so that's causing a global shortage. I think it was, <laughs> so, I think it was Adele, if I remember right, yes, yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, it yeah. was Adele, yeah. and it's it, that that's so crazy. Like, I was, yeah. I was actually talking about that on one of my streams, and I told people that, and they're like, that's that's real, and I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that really happened. <laughs> like, that's so crazy. And um, yeah. w one of the things you just kind of touched on it, um, you know, you guys are, you guys are still fully independent, man. And that like, <laughs> so, so when it comes to the management side of things, is that pretty mm -hmm. much just you? Um, it's no. Yeah, so we, uh, we divided equally between the three of us. It's okay. me, Jayant and Rahul. So, Right now, Rao is taking care of all of the PR, 
um, all of the interviews. Um, Jayant and I, Jayant takes care of some of the interviews. I just, I stopped doing them completely because uh, there was, you know, there was so much to do and a part of the work was just being ignored, basically, you know, uh, handling the distributor, uh, keeping track of sales, keeping track of your targets. Mm, so it's, it's, it's an equal division of work between yeah. the three of us when it comes That's... to management. That's important. Like I, yeah. I haven't been in a band in so long. Like I, once I became a roadie, I was done playing, but that's yeah. kind of how it had to be with all of us too. You know, when we toured, it was just the five band members in a van. Mm-hmm. Um, our guitar player handed a lot of, handled a lot of the management stuff. I handled a lot of the, you know, booking and merchandise stuff. And then we mm-hmm. had other people that did everything else and kind of works better off that way. If you're independent that, you know, everybody's doing a little bit of something rather than burying one person with everything. But, um, I mean, I did that for a bit and yeah. we just started out and I was like, no man, this, this it can't work this way. And then we kind of divided work. Yeah. Have you guys since, since all the hype and everything like on YouTube and the album coming out and stuff, have you guys been getting approached by a lot of like management firms or labels or anything like that? Yeah. I just, in fact, I had two calls today with uh, you know, some of the people I have no business speaking to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they're so high up in the industry. I just, I'm like, you know, there's, and then you got to speak to them, um, you know, in a very straightforward way also. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's very difficult when you're talking business with people, you know, that, that have been, you know, monumental for the industry. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, but, but then, you know, the, it's, it's a part of the job. It's a part of the job. Yeah. At least people are coming to you. When I was in a band, we were just like cold calling and stuff like that. We showcased for yeah. Victor, Victory Records like four uh-huh. times and all four times. They were like, nah, you guys are good, but we don't think we want you. You're not our thing. We're like, <laughs> we, we finally just gave up and we're like, all right, we're just going to go independent as long as possible. Um, yeah. And the cool thing, though, is that nowadays... Um, Mm -hmm. if you want to go that route and be independent, like you guys have been doing, Mm -hmm. it's, sorry, I'm just, I'm just, uh, turning off my phone. It's, oh, you're fine, dude. No, it's totally cool. Um, yes, you get the, with, with technology and everything that we have nowadays, it's, Mm -hmm. it's doable. You guys, if you wanted to probably could stay independent and be very successful. Now there are some things where having a manager or a label or something like that is definitely going to help a ton. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm just so impressed with everything I've seen from you guys. And um, I, I told you this right before we started, but I want to talk about it because it's it's really cool. It's what really, mm-hmm. aside from the music, it's what made me appreciate you guys so much. My wife and I mm-hmm. last night sat down and I showed her the Raj Against the Machine documentary. And mm-hmm. at one point she even said, she's like, you know, I really like their music, but just seeing mm-hmm. this just makes me love them as people. And I I think it's fantastic because the way that you guys made that documentary really showcases you as people and how you guys grew and where you came from. And yeah. you don't see that in a lot of music and band documentaries. So right off the start of it, showing where you guys started in the apartment and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I mm-hmm. had read, and I'm sure you've gotten asked about this before, but I want to kind of talk. All right, you were a, you were a lawyer. Is that correct? Yes. <laughs> so yes. you, you went from being a lawyer to just doing the music. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, 
before I was a lawyer, mm-hmm. I was into music. Yeah. Um, I was playing with bands. Um, I was somewhat recording myself very poorly, but I was trying to manage that. Um, but yeah, I, I was a corporate lawyer for two years because I studied law and then I got a job. Uh, I got a camp. There's this thing called a campus placement where, you know, you get a job with while you are studying, uh, you know, with a law firm. And then doing it two years, um, you know, it, it kind of just put everything into perspective. Like, you know, this is not something... I'm meant to do, <laughs> you know, when, when you're, when you're even slightly creative, you know, when you're even uh, marginally creative, it's just going to eat you up. If you're doing, if you're, if all you're doing is looking at Excel sheets all the time, yep. you know? So, yeah. So that's, that's where, you know, I decided to quit and uh, jump off. So th- this is what my boss told me. Okay. Um, so you've decided to jump off the plane and build another one on your way down. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's the plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah and, so, and you and you had to hide that. I I heard you talk about it. You had to hide that from your parents for a bit too. Yeah. Yeah, I had to hide it from my parents because that the, the Indian. I'm sure you've heard the cliche of Indian parents. You know, um, where you know if you don't score well in your exams or if you don't have a good job and stuff, you know, they they really know how to. <laughs> beat you down about it so yeah but but I, they're, they're very supportive now yeah i had i had a similar thing happen to me i went to university mm-hmm. um for about a year and then joined like my my first real band and we started taking mm-hmm. off and i decided to drop out of university after a year and it was funny mm-hmm. because my parents were pretty supportive about it because my my dad mm-hmm. has always known i loved music and wanted to do it it was the rest of my family that was like, I think for the next 10 years, every time I talked to my grandparents, they'd be like, Hey, you want to, you think about going back to school at all? <laughs> and I'm just like, Dude, it's a, it's a different time. You don't need to, yeah. you don't really necessarily need to finish school. And so I tell people all the time, you know, yeah. I, as much as I loved being in a band, um, mm-hmm. I, excelled more working for other people. That's why I became a roadie. I always knew I wanted to be in music, but I loved working Mm. for other people. There's something about being the person behind the scenes and making sure that all the gear is taken care of and all that. Like I loved that. And I have people ask all the time. They're like, did you go to school for that? And I was like, no, it's just Mm. almost everything I know about guitars and gear and stuff like that is stuff that I learned on the road. And again, it's those learning experiences. Wow. When something goes wrong, you learn from it and you learn how to fix it yeah. and make sure it doesn't happen yeah. again, man. Um, and then also in that documentary, just watching, it was almost, there were times where like, you guys seemed like just, just kids, man. Like, so that excitement is so great to see, man. Yeah, like, we were still kids, dude. We're still kids. Well, I mean, the, the, ignore my graying hair and my graying beard. <laughs> oh, I've but, got a few hidden in yeah. here too. It's okay, man. Um, but, uh, yeah. you know, that's the cool thing that I was noticing when I was watching that is I was like, man, these guys, even before you played your first show, it's like these guys know exactly what to do. Whether they actually know it or they just got lucky choosing the right thing to do, you guys went about things so right from like, you know, booking like that that ghost show where it was unannounced yeah. and then getting the rehearsal space to 
to, mm. you know, get your sound. And, you know, it was funny when your sound engineer was saying, he's like, oh, we're getting our show files right now for yeah. any anybody that doesn't know that's listening. Um, most consoles are digital now. And if mm -hmm. you do pre-production, you can get your show files and save all of your settings on a USB stick. So that's what you guys were doing before you even went out. And I mean, that's that's what we do even on all the tours I've been on lately, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. What was it like your first time leaving India to go do a show? Was it Was it kind of a shock? Oh, it was a huge shock. Yeah. yeah for sure, because our first show itself was a festival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it was and it was Dong Open Air, right? Dong, dong Open Air. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the festival with the crazy name. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was trying yeah. to keep a straight face when I was saying that. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> you don't have to do like there were literally like I can't tell you how many dildos I saw on that festival. <laughs> they were all over the place. They were yeah. all over the place. You know, <laughs> it was like yeah. they. they I, they, it's, I don't know whether they purposely chose that name or that name means something else in German, but they're carrying it. Like they're, they're really, oh, <laughs> I, I don't know the answer to that either. But the funny thing is when all the Germans tell me about that festival and I need, they're like, you need to come to Wacken and you need to come to Dong. And they always say something about Dong. They're like, they're like, yeah. yes, we know the name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, it was, it was a huge shock because I, and I'll tell you that there are two parts for to it. Okay, so in India we've got very limited festivals. Okay, very limited music festivals, and um, there's one called NH7. There's one called Bangalore Open Air, um, and you know I've I've only been to NH7 once. They they have one stage sometimes for rock or metal, and I from last I heard they don't have rock or metal anymore. What's it's mostly what just just like rap and Bollywood stuff. There's a lot of rap. There's a lot of Bollywood and something that's very unique to the Indian market. There's a lot of stand-up comedy. Really? For some reason. Yeah. Open air stand-up comedy. It doesn't make sense. No one's, I never seen anyone laugh. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's like the worst, but I don't know. It's the Indian market. is just so different, man. It's, it's a different, it's yeah. like, if you think Japan is weird, <laughs> the, the Indian market is just something else. Okay. So, um, yeah. So I had never seen a festival that's full of middle aged. Okay. That's full of, um, you know, people with tattoos and, you know, just all these crazy things happening all over. And we collectively were never recognized as many times by normal people walking around ever, you know, in India than uh, at Dong Open Air. So, uh, in fact, there's this running joke between me and Raul. I'm sure you saw that in the documentary that every person uh, at that time when we when, when we were at the festival a day before, I told Raul, every person here looks like they're in a metal band <laughs> because yeah. you know, every, almost everyone had a beard, of course, not the ladies. Um, <laughs> you know, everyone was in a black t-shirt uh, yeah. and, you know, tattoos and stuff. And Raul was the only person wearing a camo t-shirt. So I told him, you know, you look like you're in security. <laughs> everyone else looks like they're in a band. So that, that was definitely a huge shock. Uh, and of course, uh, we went with no expectations, man. We were like, yeah. we're used to, you know, 
in in the previous bands that i played we used to playing for 15 people yeah. 10 people you know sometimes 50 100 if it's a cover show or something like that mm-hmm. but at that time there were i think 2500 or 3000 people uh, yeah. right there afternoon set uh, and it was insane they were like they were shouting our name uh, before we went on stage they were singing our songs along with us there was this um, lady waving the indian flag and she was an indian yeah so you know it was shock after shock after shock so yeah, yeah. calling it shocking is just an understatement it was a, a different experience altogether yeah and then when you get through the tour and you get to vakan i thought that was so funny that jayant uh, was like yeah you know just don't have any expectations we don't know what's going to happen and then you know that curtain opens and there's 15,000 people in that yeah. tent Yeah, yeah. Oh man. I mean, that was <laughs> that was my that was my first um Bloodywood experience actually. Um you know, because when I started this YouTube channel, mm-hmm. it was kind of weird, man. I I've been working in the music industry so long, but when you work mm-hmm. in a certain market or with a certain band, you kind of get secluded to those other bands and styles. So for the last 5 years, even though I'm mm-hmm. a metalhead, I've been working for a country artist in Nashville. So, right. I was so used to the other bands that we were touring with and what's on the radio market and I don't really mm-hmm. like country music to be honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. but YouTube for me allowed me to get back into this discovery mode with music. And yeah. I've been listening to bands that have been out for a while now that I just somehow missed and Bloodywood was the name that even early on when I started my channel so many people mm-hmm. said it said it enough times that I was like I already need to check out this band and the yeah. first performance I saw was uh Mashiva yeah, 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 yeah. live yeah. and I was like yeah. holy shit like <laughs> first of all I I love anything that gravitates towards folk metal so the fact that you have the doll and you put the whistles in there and stuff like I love it But the sound yeah. that you guys have come up with is so unique that there's nothing that compares to it. And while it can be considered metal or folk metal mm-hmm. or something like that, it's you can immediately hear it and be like that's Bloodywood. There's no other band yeah. that sounds like this and I just think that is just so cool and on top of all of that, you know, the the lyrical content and mm-hmm. the subjects that you guys tackle. I mean, even even before i watched the documentary i've talked to people online that have said like your music has helped them out and then you see the people in the documentary that are getting yeah. tattoos of your lyrics and stuff like that and it's like that's that's one of the most special parts about music for me is like yeah you can headbang your ass off and enjoy it but when it's mm-hmm. something that connects with you emotionally and gives you yeah. that message man it's special yeah. and it's it's yeah so it can cool. save your life it can oh, save your life it's absolutely. as powerful as that yeah. yeah yeah i mean there's i have one of the fascinating things about music to me i was talking to somebody about this recently is that in certain parts of your life if you're going through some kind of like emotional trauma or or something you can connect those emotions that you were having at that period of your life with the music that you were listening to at the time. So there are yeah. CDs that I listened to when I was younger that if I hear them now, it makes me think about those moments back then and it's it's yeah. so wild, man. It is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's 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 such a weird weird form of art. It's it's yeah. the weirdest. I think yeah. it's the best. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> it is. Just the best. Um yeah. <laughs> 
one of um, one of the things I, I was interested in talking to you about, and maybe you could explain mm-hmm. it for the people that don't know too. Um, mm-hmm. So in the studio, I saw that you re- usually record with an Ormsby. Um, yeah, you've got your your cathode guitar that you're using a lot in videos and stuff, but live you're using the Variax, the Shuriken. Yes. For yes. people that may not be aware of how that mm-hmm. guitar works, could you kind of explain why you use that guitar on the road? Sure, sure. So <laughs> when people ask me about this, there's a simple answer to it. Mm-hmm. If Batman had a guitar, <laughs> that would be the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, because uh, some of the songs, I mean, uh, a few of the songs that we play, they change tunings mid-song. Okay, it's not noticeable because we intentionally we we hate it when you know you can notice a change of scale or mm-hmm. something like that. You know, change of key. Um, we like to keep it seamless. That's I think that's the better way to do it because it kind of takes people aback sometimes. So there there are some key changes. Um, there are parts, my parts that you know, uh, if I have to play them correctly, I have to uh, with a traditional guitar. I would have to switch guitars in between sets okay so what the variax does is you can program the tuning of each string each string the tuning and the volume of each string um to a particular preset so if a song goes from um drop d to drop f sharp you can you can do that like with a push of a button or in our case it's pre-programmed through um you know the it's a midi signal that goes um, into my line six helix right here, um, which changes the tuning of the guitar the moment that part of the song uh, comes. Okay, so that's basically it. It it helps me not carry twelve guitars on tour because mm-hmm. I can't afford that right now. Yeah, um, and it's it's very hectic to uh, you know do that, maintain those twelve guitars throughout the tour, and you know we're just we're already like six people. Onto in a van, there's not enough space for everything, so it's better yeah. to go with one guitar, uh, treat it well, serve it right, and it will serve you back. I'm not very happy with the tone, by the way. You're not gonna get really? the tone of a no. I'm not. It's so the I, I think your how tone the Variax, is great. <laughs> well, I'm glad you do, but the the possible. I mean, it it does really affect the tonality of you know your basically your amp and your cab mm-hmm. sim that I'm using. I don't get what I really want from it. I get, I, I'd say probably 80%. Uh, I can get, uh, you know, the sound that I want. I can get about 80% of it. But because it's such a, um, you know, there's so much technology into it. So each mm-hmm. string has a sensor. Okay. Uh, I think it's called a, I don't know what pickup. It's called a piezo pickup. Piezo, yeah, yeah, pickup. yeah. Right, right. So each string has a sensor and um, it's it's just, you know, the, you have to really crank the, grain, uh, the gain to get some distortion out of the instrument. Mm. So when you crank the gain so much, you do, you lose that that twang, if you may, you know, yeah. it's, it's very difficult to explain. There's, there's oh, a part I know of exactly what you're saying. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. So if you distort something too much, you're going to lose the, the inherent tonality of your playing mm. style. Okay. I like to really uh, pluck instru- uh, pluck the strings, you know, when I'm uh, playing those riffs because mm. the, the upstroke, basically I really focus on the upstroke. So I don't get that out of, um, 
uh, very acts but maybe one day when uh, <laughs> we have that kind of budget i'll probably yeah. go with a cabinet full of guitars <laughs> yeah and it is it's it's a good point too it's it's like a budget and a space thing because yeah. um you know when i was in my band i had mm -hmm. two bases and one mm -hmm. of them was purely just in case the other one somehow broke like yeah you know yeah. especially you know with basses and both of my guitar players in my band too each carried i think one or two guitars mm -hmm. and it was it's it's a money thing and it's a space thing now yeah. the, the funniest part is um mm -hmm. the artists that i've been working for up until the pandemic we for the longest time were on just like classic tube amps like analog everything and then we we went digital we were using um the axe effects three units and mm. I was so against it at first because all my knowledge was tube amps. That's all I knew. Yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. there was a part of me that was a little scared about having to learn something new and a new system. But mm. once we started using it, I was like, digital is amazing. And especially the yeah. first the first time we did a fly date with it, we mm. went we went to Mexico um, and did a show. And I think I was set up in like ten minutes like ready for a show in like 10 minutes where yeah. normally we'd have to get backline from a local company and then make sure everything yeah. was working and nothing was broke. Um, but because we had techs on the road and they had the budget at one point when I was working for this last artist I was with 22 mm -hmm. guitars, I had to work on every day. Like we had 22 guitars with us. <laughs> like, and that's, and that's, what's interesting about differences in, in genres too, like with rock and metal, um, on some of the bigger rock and metal tours I've been on, or I've seen, you might get somebody that has three or four guitars that they change out for tunings yeah. every other song. But with these country guys, they're so mm. specific about in their tones. It's not even, most of the guitars were in standard E tuning. There was a couple that were in D and that was it. It's a tone thing. All the players are so like, well, no, this song, I definitely want to use this Telecaster because it's got the hot telly pickup in this and I can run it on the mid with the gain down and it sounds better than using yeah. this guitar. And then in my head, I'm like, yeah, but we're running digital for all your tones now. So you could literally use anything <laughs> like, so that's, that's what I'm thinking. Like if they're in the same tuning, then yeah. it's not an instrument issue it's a rock star issue i think <laughs> dude I, there, there were many times in my head where i was like do they really need a different guitar or do they just want to change it out to look cool like do they yeah. want to like here's a good example of that um for a couple mm. years i worked for pat benatar and her husband is her guitar player he produces all their stuff and stuff like that the guy mm. uses two guitars in a live show one's in drop d one's in e that's that's all he mm. needs but he has almost 30 guitars on the road because he likes to just like, when they have guests, he just be like, look at all my stuff. <laughs> and he doesn't even use it. <laughs> like there are, there are oh, artists man. that are like that, man. They have so much stuff that they don't even use. It's like when I was working yeah. at, when I was working at a local venue in Chicago, when I was growing up, we'd have mm -hmm. like local bands come in on, on metal bills and they all had like, 10 piece drum kits with 15 symbols and a rack. And it's like, they didn't even use 70% of it, yeah. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. And that's, yeah. I think that's, that's more of a, you know, just a prop than, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 you know, sure. the, the, but, but not having those 
30 guitars on stage but having them backstage to impress guests yeah. that's next level <laughs> that's yeah, just, yeah. i mean i've heard of empty cabinets on stage to impress the audience yeah. but <laughs> to impress your guests that's that's just yeah yeah that's, yeah that's that's next level <laughs> empty cabinets i've i've i think a lot of people know that that's like a normal thing now but i've explained that on yeah. the channel in some videos where we've checked out live performances i'm like i guarantee you that maybe mm. that bottom right cabinet that's closest to the guitar player is on, but the other yeah. 12 are definitely yeah. off. Like, or they're yeah, empty. Yeah, yeah. They're just empty. Yeah, and it, it makes perfect sense. If you've got 30 cabinets on stage, it's going to send so much sound into the vocalist's mic. It's going to yeah. feed back the hell out of the whole thing. So, it's, I mean, it does make... Have you ever had 30 or more cabinets working on stage? Has, does that happen? I, the most I've ever heard on stage live mm -hmm. is probably six. And even six, like four 12 cabinets at a time, that's enough that depending that's on the room loud. you're in, the front of house engineer probably doesn't even need to put that in the PA mix yeah, at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're I thought you were talking about a, an open air event. By, in, oh, in no, 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 no. You're not going to need that. No. Yeah. Uh, well, we've, you know, a lot of the... You know, back when I was working at a venue, we had stuff like that happen where we'd have um, we'd have opening bands bring in like full stacks and I'd be like, mm. try to explain. It's like, guys, I know this looks cool, but like you're playing in a 500 capacity club that has like a three meter ceiling. Like you don't need yeah. to have all of these on, you know? Yeah. But yeah. Um, it's 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 fun to always see this, man. It's like every time we start a tour and we, you know, yeah. when you start a tour and you meet the other bands for the first time, if you don't know them, you see mm. what gear they're bringing in. And almost always there were, there's there's like one band that just starts bringing in shit and we're like, come on, like you don't need <laughs> Like, and I loved, yeah. I, you know, in your documentary, I loved that you, um, like your whole show is just in that one rack. So what do yes. you have? Your Helix and then like an X32 for your monitors? So we've we've upgraded that uh, completely. Uh, so what we've done is now, uh, earlier we did not have our own mixer, like the FOH mixer. Now we have one. It's called the Waves uh, LV1 system. It's the, it's the digital mixer with the touch screen and, you know, mm -hmm. uh, on that. It was a huge investment, but I think it's really worth it because now our engineer doesn't have to figure out a new mixer every time he's working on. Yeah. So we've got a mix that, that the same system um, mixes our in-ear monitors. So uh, it the, the same mixer will mix the uh, front of house and our in-ear monitoring. Um, that's done by one unit. Then we've got uh, we've got U-Track uh, 24 to play the backing tracks and the MIDI. Uh, it's a it's it's basically a one U thing that, uh, you know, it's it's a playback machine. Then we've got um, Sennheiser 6000 mics for 6000 series mics for the vocalists. That's new. Those are wireless because last time uh, no one was wireless except the dual. And it was a mess. It was <laughs> a mess. It was like, you know, after the show. Okay. Right in the center of the stage, there used to be this weird animal of cables okay like all all uh, you know tied into each other and we just you know we played 
the show and everyone's like yeah man let's 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 uh, can we get an can we get a autograph can we get a photo and we're like wait just give me a minute let me just untangle this <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah so wireless system for the vocalists um, wireless for the bassist i can't go wireless because there's no wireless system for the variax it re- literally it connects with a lan cable you use a lan cable to connect the guitar oh, to the processor oh i didn't even think yeah. about that yeah Yeah. So you yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's like connecting to a modem. <laughs> I never even thought about that. So there's no input jack on that like no normal input jack on that guitar. There is a normal input jack, but that's not going to send a process signal. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a heavy cable. Okay, it's mm-hmm. it's not like a uh, no your normal, you know, uh cable that guitars use it's very heavy and it tends to if it bends it stays bent okay usually so you know how lan cables are right they're not like very flexible yeah so even though i've got a decent line 6 um, cable that they sent along with the guitar which is so, sort of more flexible but there are limitations so that's there and then you know um we've got our own stage rack now um that's going to take all the uh, all the inputs from the stage send it to the mixer and the mixer is going to send a mix signal back to our iams and the foh so we're we we're, we're completely independent right now in terms of requiring any backline uh, you, from any place have you had the opportunity to use all this stuff yet or no oh no it's it's still packed and <laughs> we're yeah, still waiting to you know, start uh yeah not not to be a downer but i did see the the european <laughs> tour got postponed and do you, um i saw that it was rescheduled again for next year the funny thing is yeah. I was actually I I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm a little bummed because right mm-hmm. now I mm-hmm. was supposed to be in Europe uh doing a tour and oh, that tour okay. got got canceled. Um Who are I you can't, touring with? I I can't say too much because it was never okay. announced as public knowledge. And it's <laughs> and it's more it's it's more for filming a documentary than actually me like teching or anything. Oh, um, but I was supposed to go was to it with Avril Avril Lavigne. Oh, I wish. <laughs> um, did I actually just told my wife the other day. I was like, "Did you see that Avril Lavigne put a new album out?" She's like, "Really? I didn't know she was still doing anything." Um, no, but yeah, so that got postponed till probably next year too, and I was just like, but it kind of worked out cuz like my daughter's about to turn 1 and I get to be mm. home still and stuff like that. But there's other yeah. stuff too. It's like it's so funny how my my job became being a roadie. to overnight i was just home and then the youtube mm-hmm. thing has become um pretty much my full time thing now which is crazy and it's like i never knew about youtube like i used it but i never mm-hmm. knew like as a content creator i didn't know how you could make money or anything like that and you know mm-hmm. don't get me wrong mm-hmm. i'm not making like a ton but it's mm-hmm. enough that it's actually paid our bills so i don't need to go out and find a job right now but Yeah. I do have some tours I might go back out on. Um Eskimo Callboy from Germany is coming to the United States at the end of this year and I will probably All go right. guitar tech for them on that. Amazing. Um, Orbit Culture is coming over here at this summer mm. for some stuff and I I've, I've been talking to them about doing stuff like it's it's funny how this is now turned into it's like I'm going to go out and guitar tech for bands but it's also going to be like YouTube content at the same time like you yeah, know yeah yeah so, but and I that's that's unique af i i mean i think that's why uh you know i i liked watching your videos in the first place because you were 
from within the industry you're not a you know a person who just wants to react to videos or music mm-hmm. or stuff like that so you know a lot more than most people do well, and that's that's great to know i you know? i and i appreciate that i i think that right there is the mm-hmm. reason and i don't i don't want to sound arrogant like i say this humbly but i think that's the reason my channel did have the success it did right away was yeah. because there's so many reactors on youtube now there's yeah. so many and it, i think yeah. they all have some sort of value because they're exposing people to new bands and stuff like that of course but, yeah. but for me personally mm-hmm. i don't watch a lot of reactions anymore because it's it's kind of the same thing like it's a lot of people that just sit and watch a whole song and then they're like yeah that was cool and that's really it mm-hmm. and that was the thing i felt was going to set me apart it's like let's just take my knowledge from working on gear and touring and actually talk about it in the videos and it's and it's fun and i love getting to see what other people are using with stuff um yeah. it's fun for me to look into production like you know with your last video i mm-hmm. went right away i was on google like, where did they shoot this? And it says in the information on your video where you filmed, but I went to that, oh. I went I went to their website, I looked mm-hmm. at all the rooms they had in there, there's a recording studio yeah. in there, all this stuff, because like, yeah. that's that's the little things that I like to find out about, like, how did they do this? Like, um, the other day I checked out Sabaton's yeah. new music video, and in, mm-hmm. in the entire video, they're submerged up to here in water and they have their guitars and everything on. So the first question in my mind is, okay, mm-hmm. this is obviously not just green screen, they're in water. You can see the, yeah. you can see it. So yeah. did they, were they just willing to destroy gear? Cause if you're, <laughs> if you're using a guitar that's even, even a hardwood guitar at that point submerged in water, you're damaging it. Yeah, for so sure. Did, did they decide to damage all their gear? Did they have replicas made? Did they have mm. people on standby that were with hair dryers and wiping it off? And it's like, those are the <laughs> things I want to know about these videos, man. Cause like, yeah, it's, I, I find yeah, the process. But did, but did you find out though? Did I didn't find, find out? out yet. No. Okay. okay. Cause I, I had Hannes on this podcast like two days before that video came out. And I was like, damn it. Oh, I wish I would have oh. saw that first. <laughs> but I would, I would like to know because there are a lot of music yeah. videos that I see where there are some kind of elements, whether it's water or, you know, they're filming outdoors or something like that. My first thought is like the, the instruments. I'm like, yeah, the, the things that musicians sometimes put their actual instruments through for those music videos, like people don't realize like they're risking damaging that entire instrument. For sure. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that, and you know, uh, the same thing happens with us. That's why you see me holding the same guitar with every video, because uh, the the climate here changes like really, really soon. Okay, so it, it could rain. In, in fact, uh, for the video of Gadar, it started raining while we were shooting. Uh-huh. Uh, for the video of Yad, you know, a hailstorm started, sorry, it started snowing while we were shooting. So these things just happen all the time. So I think it's it's good to have one guitar just for music videos you know yeah. that way because there's a lot of value to music videos a lot of value oh, yeah. no disrespect to the instrument but you know it's just that you need something for you know just, uh, so that can withstand those things and you know not be completely you know it won't break your bank completely you get me yeah 
And a lot of a lot yeah. of the value in music videos too is it's not only just there's so many little things into it. It's mm -hmm. not just to get the music out there for for people, but mm -hmm. music videos are also something that like brands require for endorsements so it's a way for bands yeah. to fulfill those contracts with endorsements and stuff too that's why yeah you can tell a lot of the times when we when we watch certain videos on youtube if you mm -hmm. ever see a close-up of like a headstock that shows the logo of something or something like i can tell immediately i'm like that's a product placement there's no reason that they needed to show the headstock of that guitar other than to show you like the ltd logo that was on it <laughs> you yeah. Know? yeah 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 but again you know if so there's a really surprising study, if you may, <laughs> that I kind of did on my own. Um, so the song Machi Basar, okay. Mm -hmm. um, it is a most popular original, I believe, till date, okay. Uh, but before the music video was out, a year in advance, the audio was out already, okay. It was on a platform called hitrecord.com. Um, we had posted about it. That here's a new song. Check it out. No one cared. Absolutely no one cared. But the moment we put out a video with the same music, literally nothing changed. It just exploded. It exploded like crazy. And that was right before we went on tour. And, you know, it's just the only difference between these two things is a video. So if, if it's a video that makes a song a hit, why not do it, right? Yeah. So, so it, it's, it's just insanely important. Yeah. Do you think it could also be a platform thing too, though? Because there's a lot of people on YouTube that r stumble across random things a lot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, that's true. But the that video, but the video is a good point because, mm -hmm. I mean, actually, it's a great point because I'll tell you right now, when I do reaction videos on YouTube, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't do a reaction if it's audio only. Because yeah. in, and it's nothing against the band or the song. It's for what I'm doing. I'll have nothing to talk about. I need the visual yeah. aid with the instruments and the production to be able to talk about stuff. So it is a good point. People like to, people like to see things. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There's, there's um, actually an inherent importance you give to a music video over just an audio video. You know, mm -hmm. you feel that the band has put more effort into a music video. So we'll, we're going to watch the music video. And, you know, if there's just a video of the, you know, artwork and there's no video at all, that song kind of, you know, people would tend to not listen to that uh, if they're exposed to the band for the first time. Yeah. And in, so, yeah, it, in with the way that the, um, <clears throat> excuse me, with the way that the music industry is right now, you're seeing more music video releases than ever. Um, before you were seeing maybe one or two music videos from a band for an album cycle that were releasing something even radio yeah. singles sometimes weren't getting music videos but now right. with everybody on their computers and on youtubes and everybody's got a phone they can be on at all times i mean yeah. we've already seen multiple like um arch enemy good example their new album doesn't mm -hmm. come out until july and mm -hmm. it's march right now and they've already released three music videos from that album so yeah we're seeing just bands cranking out videos. Like I'm yeah. looking, I, I have like a little schedule on my computer of reactions that I want to do. And I'm mm -hmm. looking and I, I have some bands on here twice because they just released a video two weeks ago and they're about to release yeah. another one in like another week. Like mm. that's wild. 
They also that is, that is. and it's, yeah. it's time consuming too. You know, when you guys were talking about, I can't remember what video it was that you're talking about in the documentary, but you said uh, you guys started at like seven in the morning and went five thirty in the afternoon and just went and a lot of the stuff was unplanned like when you were on uh yes what was it yes, when you were yes. riding the camel yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the video for ari ari yeah, yeah, yeah um yeah that day was magic man like that we, we planned nothing we were like get the camera get the guitar uh let's just hit the streets and the number of things that happened that day was just like you know it was meant to be <laughs> yeah yeah in a way yeah. things just they, they fell into place it's never happened again. <laughs> I mean, so, there's, there's, yeah. there is something special about not planning something. I mean, yes. when I like with, with this right here, I don't, mm -hmm. whenever I do interviews or podcasts with people, I don't plan anything. Mm -hmm. I have no questions yeah. or anything written out. I feel as though when you don't plan for something like that, mm -hmm. things may go wrong, but it's more authentic. Like the yeah. things that happen are unplanned. So they're real and authentic and you never know what kind of special moments you're going to be able to capture, which in mm. your guys's case, you know, yeah. nothing on that was planned. Like when they were, when yeah. they were laughing, telling the story about, you know, jumping on the horse. And then we were just like, we just happened to see a camel in the middle of new Delhi. <laughs> like, like that's, those are, those are amazing <laughs> stories. Yeah. 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 Those are, and you know, although it's very normal, to see cameras in the middle of New yeah. Delhi, we were looking at it from uh, a person, oh, an outside perspective. Okay, that people are probably not going to believe this that there are cameras on the middle of the road. There are elephants too. There are cows also. So it's it's in not uncommon. Yes, it's not uncommon. Okay. It's not uncommon, man. You you just I mean, yeah, uh, maybe that's that's kind of decreased over the years, but it's it's pretty common honestly. i I'm, I'm i will admit i thought that that was just one of those stereotypes in like major cities in india that like there's like camels and elephants and stuff i thought that that was just a stereotype um so they're not like around every corner yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay they're, they're like um okay at any given point of time all right i'd wager there are at least three elephants in the streets of new delhi <laughs> okay so wait are, are are they are they wild or are they no 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 they're, they're, <laughs> they're not wild man that would make the news yeah, okay <laughs> yeah. yeah they're not wild they're, they're tame um they're usually uh, either headed towards some sort of um ceremony some wedding or some temple i support none of that but Mm -hmm. that's 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 how it is man that's how the culture is over here you know yeah. uh it's 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 very uh, you, you'd worship animals yeah they, you worship animals but when it comes to treating them uh, they're the most ill-treated animals ever you know like uh so they very recently last year um i i <clears throat> there, there's this uh ngo called um wildlife sos in India, what they do is they rescue these elephants from um, all of these temples and, you know, all of these places of worship or circuses. And almost all the time, those elephants are completely blind. Almost all of the time. I don't know why that's the case, but that's that's the state of affairs here, man. You know, 
Yeah. It is clad. Sorry to take a dark turn. No, this is but, yeah. no, these are yeah. I actually I I like when conversations go this route where we can talk about something serious like this because Yeah. You know, in in American culture, mm-hmm. you know, we're very used to you don't see many of them anymore, but when I was a kid, mm-hmm. circuses mm-hmm. were huge. I mean, yeah. huge form of entertainment. And then yeah. when you're a kid, you don't know any better. You see these animals performing and you're just like, oh, yeah, this, yeah. You know, look at the animal. This is cool. And then when yeah. you when you start getting older and you start realizing how things work and you start reading things and seeing documentaries and you're just like, this is like barbaric. Yeah. Like, you <laughs> yeah. know, and it, yeah. to the point where my wife and I have are, are not so much anymore because we have the kid at home and we just don't have time, but like. You know, we used to volunteer at animal rescues and stuff like that. And, um, nice. you know, both of our dogs that we have are, are foster failures. Like we were fostering dogs and then we just fell in love with mm-hmm. them and we're like, yep, they're going to come live with us now. <laughs> um, which is great, man. I mean, it's, there's, yeah. there's just, it's such a, a special thing, man. I mean, they're, they're part of our family to us. They're not really pets. They're part of our family. That's um, true. but there, there have been times where. Like, this is weird. I've never talked to anybody about, uh, other than my wife about this, but like, I've mm. been in this phase for a while now where it's like, I, I haven't eaten pork in so long because mm. when I was on, I forgot where I was, but I, I came across a video online that mm-hmm. was showing the state of like meat manufacturing in the US. Yeah. And yeah, after yeah. watching that, I was like, dude, I can't do this. Mm. Like, it's, it's difficult. You know, it's you hear, like you said, you hear so many people that talk about how much they like animals and how much we need to take care of them and stuff like that. Then you look behind the scenes and everything's like, again, barbaric is like the word for it. And yeah, yeah. um, But, you know, one of the one of the things to kind of change, change this from (laughs) a more more positive is um, after you guys finished your European tour, one of the things. Mm This this told me like all I needed to know about you guys was when you mm-hmm. donated your proceeds to the uh, the mobile animal shelter in New Delhi, yeah, dude. That yeah. was I, I want to know more. <laughs> I want to know more about that because I heard what you you had said when you guys visited Europe. One of the things you were most shocked about is um, not seeing as many um, homeless and stray animals. Yeah, um, yeah, so, yeah. That that was that was definitely a shock because um you know here it's so normal to see a homeless dog or you know we call them stray dogs Mm -hmm. stray cats okay um it's this so normal that you know you don't even think about it uh if i could take this camera with me i'd show you like all i need to do is step out of my uh building and they'll be right outside just you know chilling (laughs) so it, it it did it did shock us that there are just none <clears throat> they don't exist at all i mean they used to but um i think they, they they've taken care of the problem you know it, it it definitely is a problem when there are animals on the street because they don't belong there they either belong in the wild or if they're domesticated they belong in homes right they can't survive on streets they can't survive traffic and you know hunting for food and then you know a lot of stuff happens uh, cannibalism and all of that stuff if they don't get food on time so that's why you know when we came back we thought that yeah you know this this is something we should definitely try to uh, at least do a bit 
you know i'm not saying that we're going to create a lot of awareness and suddenly things are going to change but mm. we can do a you know a bit so what we did was uh, i knew of this foundation called the posh foundation which is uh, pretty close by what they do is they uh, they help uh, all of these uh, basic if if there's a if there's an animal uh, that's injured because of traffic or you know some other reason uh, they they do this on their own they send their own vehicle to pick the animal up and then they treat the animal and then they uh, neuter the animal so that you know this po- this problem of oh uh, you know this multiplication of uh, homeless animals doesn't happen and then they drop the animal back to where it was found okay so uh, we spoke to them we asked them what do you need okay and they said that uh, our ambulance is completely run down uh, it's not it's barely functional we need a new one and we were like okay cool uh, how much is going to cost and it wasn't honestly a lot okay so what we did was we we had just come back from tour we made a bunch of money that we could put into this and that's what we decided to do it was really really very straightforward very simple and uh, i hope it's it's helped a lot of those animals that we see on the road every day yeah i'm sure so that is yeah 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 that's that's really it. there's not much to the story yeah no but it's it's there might not be much to the story but i think it's still something cool that people not only need to hear but would like to hear you know i mean it's yeah cuz especially in in a, in a music culture where a lot of people when they make money for the first time go out and just buy a bunch of ridiculous shit <laughs> like, you, know, <laughs> you guys are you guys are helping your community as much as you can and stuff like that and it's great and mm-hmm. and don't get me wrong you know I, I i realize what i just said might sound judgmental and it's not because there are definitely expenses that are necessary for a band like you just said you yeah. guys got a yeah. lot of new gear yeah yeah that's yeah it's it's very expensive man yeah, in it, oh. india you know we we pay three times the price uh that people pay in the west for the same instrument or the same product well i was gonna uh, i was gonna it, ask you about that because again in the documentary when you guys went into that music store you guys were yeah. like blown <laughs> away because you're like there's you i think it was you that said there's nothing like this in india yeah what yeah. kind of if you were to go to a music shop mm-hmm. what kind of selection do you have is it very limited with brands and the stuff that you can get so okay because the indian market is very different the things that you get the guitars that you get the basses that you get okay they're almost always those starter pack instruments okay mm-hmm. you're going to have a very hard time finding quality and you know if you're looking for something very specific for example i want a precision drive or a horizon devices precision drive pedal you're not going to get that mm-hmm. you'll have to place an order with one of the distributors to you know send it to india and then you know you you're going to pay customs you're going to pay shipping and indian customs is just i have a horrible relationship with them yeah <laughs> so, so yeah so it even my variax it came from sweetwater us and the, the the funny story is um so if it if something that you're importing costs more than 100000 rupees okay if it costs more than that then you need to go through a process where the airport authorities will hire a truck to send what you have to your house okay so an entire truck brought one guitar to me from the airport to my no house way. and i had to pay for it yeah it's oh man it's just it's a circus dude it's just, <laughs> it's, it's, it's i hilarious. i feel like 
I oh God, I feel like I just like hear hearing that makes me feel like oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I can't think of what I'm trying to say, but I feel like spoiled now. It's like <laughs> any any instrument that I that I would want to get. I could mm -hmm. probably either a go to, and I live in Nashville. So not only do we have mm -hmm. hundreds of guitar stores and a guitar center, but we've also got, mm -hmm. um, a place, um, we've got a place in Nashville called Soundcheck, which is exactly mm -hmm. what it sounds like. It's a giant warehouse that's storage for all the bands here. And then there's giant rehearsal rooms. And then they also have a store called tour supply Whoa. where anything you would ever need for a tour is in mm -hmm. that store. So it's your typical stuff like gaff tape and batteries and the put like flashlights and mm -hmm. you know tons of different guitar pedals and strings and all that stuff. It just really makes me think like man, we've got it easy. And it's <laughs> it's it's true cuz I mean in a lot mm -hmm. of these major countries also it's so there's so much consumerism that people want you to have access to those things as quick as possible. Yeah, wow. yeah. I mean, I wish we had <laughs> that kind of access. And that's, it's not a bad thing to have access to things, yeah. right? So, uh, you know, from what you said, it reminds me of uh, this thing my friend told me once, uh, that India will always leave you with a sense of gratefulness towards your own country. Mm -hmm. You know, you hear anything from here, <laughs> people are like, wow, it's, I'm glad that shit doesn't happen here. <laughs> you know? so, to, to be 100% yeah. yeah. honest, I have like the opposite sometimes when I travel. The first time yeah. I ever did a world tour and mm -hmm. experienced like a lot of other countries, um, you know, it was the first time I'd gone to Asia and we mm -hmm. showed up and did a show in, uh, we had a show in Manila in the Philippines. And okay. I remember when we landed at the airport, looking out the window and just seeing how, how just everything looked like shacks and stuff like that. And then like mm -hmm. they take us from the airport to the hotel. And as we're driving through the city, it's the first time mm -hmm. I had ever seen like what could be considered like third world, like with yeah. my own eyes. I was like, wow, this is like, this is a, a big wake up seeing this. Yeah. And then we're, where the promoter put us to stay in Manila yeah. was this area called the city of dreams. That is an American development that's the Mall mm -hmm. of Asia, a bunch of casinos, and a bunch of like five star hotels. And yeah. we get in our hotel room and look out of the hotel window, and you just still see like shacks and stuff. And there was, there yeah. was, it's the first time in my life in my head, I was like, there's something fucked about this. Like, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. and, and yeah. when we travel to other countries, I really realized as an American, how, how spoiled and easy I, I've really had it, to be honest. It's like everything I could ever want has been easily accessible. So like, that's why I enjoy these conversations with, with people from all over the world and having this YouTube channel and getting to know people from other cultures and stuff like that has been just the greatest thing because one of the things that I, I honestly hate about the American mindset is that most people mm. in this country have never left. They've never, ex mm. they've never actually experienced another culture. They see it on TV mm -hmm. and in movies, but most of that's bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, but they've yeah, never yeah. actually experienced it. Like a good anecdote to this is I dated a girl in my early twenties mm. who her dad worked for some security company and she lived mm -hmm. in India for two years. 
And when she was showing me pictures of like Mm -hmm. India and like where they stayed and stuff like that, I was like, Mm -hmm. I was like, that ain't India. That's, that's a, (laughs) that's an Americanized resort and development that you got to stay at and have all the same amenities that you get over here. Like you didn't live how everybody else did. And I wasn't judging her for it. It's just like, that's, that's what it is, you know? Yeah. 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 So the division is really there. Okay. Like if you want an American lifestyle, you can get it here too. Okay. It's not like, uh, there's just one particular lifestyle, but Mm. what I want to point out is I don't think America has it easy. Okay. I don't think you need, you can completely discount how hard life is there because, and even though I've not been to America, but if I think of Europe or the UK, you know, the West in general, when we went there, we, we did feel that, you know, we want to come back home soon because not because people were mean, okay. People were amazing to us, but we're just used to talking to everyone. Okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're just used to talking like really loud and all the time. Okay. In fact, <laughs> there's such a funny story about this. The moment we landed at, um, in, in Germany, okay. In Dusseldorf, uh, uh, so the the festival were kind enough to set us up at a hotel because they knew that it's our first time outside India and stuff like that. So at the hotel, we were all so excited. We were like, uh, you know, you know, it's it's nine o'clock and the sun is still out. I've never seen that in my life. <laughs> so we were like, let's drink. And you know, the beer was like the, the cans were this big. Okay, I, oh, the yeah. cameras were on. Yeah, they were huge. Okay, and the brand was called Fax. F-A-X-E. <laughs> so so we, we got those cans and then we were right in the lobby area of a hotel, open area, and we were drinking and being loud. And then suddenly a voice, you know, there's this huge booming voice that says, guys, you are fucking loud. Shut the fuck <laughs> up. And we were like, sorry, but we couldn't find out where the voice was coming from. So then after that, we were like, just, okay maybe this is the volume we need to speak in. And, you know, it happened several times that people reminded us that you're in a public place, don't be so loud. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's there, there, there's a trade-off to everything, you know. Yeah, yeah you've got access and all of that. Uh, we don't have access to stuff here. That is true. Uh, a lot of even basic, basic human rights are sometimes hard to find, the basic human needs, okay. But then uh, I think in Western culture, there is a sort of isolation, you know, there's a sort of um, distance, which I personally like, but not everyone does. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I think it's, it's with every culture, there's a plus and negative, you know. Yeah, I want to kind of, yeah. well, ahead, the, what, what you were saying just made me want to rephrase something. Because when you said mm-hmm. you don't think that like, you know, Americans necessarily have it easy and stuff. Mm-hmm. Wanna, without getting too into this topic, I'll rephrase it by saying, as a straight white male in the US, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I've had it easy. I talk I talk uh, about this stuff with my wife a lot. Like we have yeah. we have we have a lot of friends in the LGBTQ mm. community. We have a lot of friends yeah. that are minorities and stuff like that. And hearing yeah. some of the stories from them about mm. like, dude, one of my best friends who was a mm. who was a groomsman in my wedding grew up in Compton in Los Angeles. And mm he moved to Nashville and he was my roommate and I would go on tour all the time. 
Mm-hmm. And he he didn't tour. He lived there. And when I would come back, we'd always hang out. And he told me one time that like when I was on tour, he never really went out. And I was like, really? And he's like, well, yeah, dude. He goes, when I go out with you, he's like, mm-hmm. you're you're my white friend, and I don't have to worry about anything. But he's like, as a black guy, I don't really go mm-hmm. anywhere by myself to bars and stuff. And I was like, damn, dude. Like, yeah. and I, you know, I was. <sighs> I was I was kind of wondering about you guys in your travels with that because mm-hmm. people mistakenly think that like racism is an American thing, but it's everywhere. Like I've it's gone to so many man. different countries and you see it everywhere. Like, yeah, it's I, everywhere. I, I was really hoping and if you don't want to talk about it, it's cool. But I was I was really hoping when I was watching your documentary, like your first time mm-hmm. leaving India, like you guys didn't have to face or experience anything like that. Was your travel pretty good when you were in Europe? Uh, we did face uh, incidents of racism and I can elaborate on that. I don't think uh, there's any reason to hide what happened. So um, there was this one particular incident where so <laughs> I don't know whether it's in the documentary or not, but the drummer Vishesh and I, we actually fell sick after Dong Opene. Okay. We got like bronchitis and I don't know, like some very severe form of it. So um, we were in Germany. We couldn't, we don't, we don't know the language. I'm trying to learn it. Uh, so uh, thankfully, our TM at that point of time, who was also driving us around, Adrian, uh, he knew some German. He took us to a hospital and they diagnosed us for whatever, you know, bronchitis is called in German. Mm-hmm. So gave us medicines and sent us back. Now, uh, Adrian parked the vehicle. We were crossing the road towards our hotel. And then this bike, this guy on a bicycle, okay. He just zooms past us and uh, says, fucking Muslims, Okay. Uh, this is in Germany and he has a German accent. Okay. So I know it's not an American thing. It's mm-hmm. everywhere, dude. It's everywhere. And it's in India also. <laughs> okay. There's no, like there's this, it's, it's just so prevalent that if anyone tells you they haven't felt it, they're lying or they're hiding something. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this is just one of the many incidents that happened. Okay. Uh, for a, another that happened was after our first club show, um, this this guy with the sweetest of intentions said, you're the coolest fucking Pakis I've ever seen. <laughs> okay. oh, man. So I was like, bro, we're Indians. And that's kind of not a nice term to use for someone who's from, even if that person is from Pakistan. Yeah. So was like, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean, man. You're the coolest fucking Pakis I've ever seen. I'm like, oh, I mean, that's okay. like the like, same <laughs> here when somebody's like, oh, that guy's all right for a black guy. It's like, what the fuck yeah. does that mean? Like, you know, you know, it's dude, yeah. they're 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 like you said, there are people that they do mm-hmm. their intentions aren't bad. Yeah, yeah. But they yeah, they, but they don't realize that they are. Like, yeah. like like I said, like I've had I've heard people like, dude, I worked in country music for five years. You wanna talk mm-hmm. about a racist group of fucking people, dude? I'm this is gonna sound crazy. I'm so glad that we got mm-hmm. sent home from tour because of the pandemic because it mm-hmm. gave me an out to get away from that industry. It's not everybody. Ugh. I'm not going to, mm-hmm. that would be unfair to say that it's everybody. Yeah. There's some wonderful people, but dude, mm-hmm. when you've got crew guys mm-hmm. that are hanging Confederate flags in their, mm-hmm. their guitar vaults and like, 
I've heard mm-hmm. multi-platinum, gigantic, larger-than-life artists saying the N-word backstage all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. It, it got uncomfortable for me. It was like, I don't even want to be yeah. around this anymore, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I, I have, you know, the country music industry overall is very white, for lack of a better way of putting it. Right. There are a few friends I have, the few black friends that are touring in country that I've talked to them about this and I've asked mm-hmm. like, dude, how like how is it for you working in the country music industry? They're like, it fucking sucks, but the money's good. So I'm like, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. So well I'm it's, it's I'm, sorry. Surprising I'm sorry how, you guys you know, what's that? No, no, no. I, I said it's kind of surprising how, you know, these guys are so confident about behaving in this particular way. Mm-hmm. You know, all it takes is one guy with a phone and, you know, with a video recording something and that person's career is over. Dude, you know? that won't stop yeah. it. Did you? So there's a country artist here named mm-hmm. Morgan Whalen. He was on The Voice in the United States and he got kind mm-hmm. of popular. And, and then overnight, it was so weird because the first time he ever did a tour with us, he had mm-hmm. like long hair and he always wore like a leather jacket and black jeans. He looked more like a rock dude. And then okay. overnight he cut his hair into a mullet and he started wearing cut off flannel like shirts and stuff and acting like a hillbilly. And <laughs> this guy, this guy about six months ago mm-hmm. got caught on somebody's ring doorbell camera mm-hmm. drunk after coming home from the bar, screaming the N word at like his neighbor mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. And everybody was like, oh, he's done. The exact Mm. opposite happened. He's bigger now. And his record sales went through the roof after that happened. And he just got done selling out um, two shows back to back at the Madison Square Garden in New York City. That's like 18,000 people each night. This is Mm. after he was on tape saying the N word. He actually got bigger after that. Way bigger. Dude, after that incident, after that incident, yeah, it's crazy, dude. It's crazy, (laughs) and like that is insane. And he he did the whole jumping through hoops and apologizing, and he's like, I I never would have said that, you know, and blah blah. I don't Mm -hmm. use that word. And in my head, and listen, I don't know the guy. I gotta say Mm -hmm. that, but I've I've toured with him and I've been around him. Mm -hmm. But in my opinion, if he says it, then. What makes mm-hmm. you think he's not saying it all the time in other situations? And I've been around right. these country artists. I hear how they're talking. So the yeah. crazy thing to me was that, yes, everybody in the music industry was like, he's done. There's no way that he's coming back from that. He apologized. Mm-hmm. All the country music fans in the U.S. got behind him. And they're like, he said he's sorry. He's not racist. Like, you know, and then they went out and okay. bought his records. And now he's huge. It's crazy. Do you think it's it's do you think it's a country thing and it wouldn't happen if it was metal or rock? I do. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because because yeah. again, working at the working in the country music industry, I've mm-hmm. gone to, I've gone to all these shows and all these festivals over the years mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. see the kinds of people that are at these shows that listen to country music. And again, mm-hmm. it's unfair to say it's all of them because there are some mm-hmm. great people I've met yeah, but there are a lot of country fl- like, dude, when when and I don't want to get into this because I don't even want to mention the guy's name. But when <laughs> when Trump was running for president here, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we were doing country festivals and the entire mm-hmm. crowd, like 50, 60,000 people at times 
you see Trump flags being waved everywhere. You see Confederate flags being waved everywhere. I mean, you Mm -hmm. see how when the Black Lives Matter movement started in the U.S., those are the people that were like, you know, arguing it and be like, you know, it's it's crazy, dude. Like, it, it really is. The We're... Granted, this country changes fast over short periods of time. I mean, I'm mm-hmm. I'm only 34, and things are so much different now than they were 10 years ago. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. we're we're in a weird place right now. Like that is true. It, the weirdest it, place ever. <laughs> yeah, it seems like like people that are bigoted and racist and stuff like that are more mm-hmm. vocal now than they've ever been. So we see it mm. all the time. And it's like Maybe we have access to those voices more. I think I think that's you know? part of it. I think, you know, yeah. when I was a teenager, we didn't have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. So you didn't see yeah. it online. And if you didn't mm-hmm. surround yourself with those kind of people, you didn't hear it. But now right. that we're on social media and we see all of this stuff, we, yeah. we see everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You Plus know, this the algorithm always pushes some to you something that would trigger you, you mm-hmm. know. Because they want that reaction. They want that argument. They want that, you know, time on their app or their platform or whatever. Yeah. So it is kind of made into this way. But it is, you know, again, it's very interesting that a particular political alignment uh, coincides with a genre of music. Yeah. You know, I it, it's, it's actually, it's more interesting than uh, anything else, to be honest, because uh, I know nothing about country music. I mm-hmm. I know no country music art. I know Taylor Swift was probably country for a bit. Yeah, when she first started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's 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 so, it's very strange. Yeah. So let me give you a a good example of of country music in the U.S. Mm-hmm. I I told because a lot of uh, country is popular outside of the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. It's very popular in Canada. It's very okay. popular in Australia and it's kind of popular in some parts of Europe too. Like I've, I've mm-hmm. gone to Europe with country artists and done huge shows. Wow. Um, okay. But the, but the scene is a little different, but in the U S mm-hmm. I was explaining to, to the people that follow me on Twitch the other day, cause they were asking about music and how popular rock and metal is. Cause rock and metal in the U S right now compared to Europe is very small. Um, is that so? Oh, absolutely. Really? Yeah. Metal and rock in the U S is very much what I would consider. I wouldn't necessarily say it's underground, but it's, you Mm -hmm. know, it's, it's not a big mainstream thing anymore. So here, here's the numbers that'll blow your mind Mm -hmm. right now. I looked at this yesterday, so I know these numbers are still accurate Mm -hmm. right now on radio in the U S um, the big rock chart is called is the billboard active rock chart. That's where all the radio Mm -hmm. singles are. Mm-hmm. The number one song in rock radio has mm-hmm. an average audience impression of three and a half million listeners per week. So for anybody that doesn't know what that means, that's three and a half million people listening to their radio on that channel hear that song every week. Okay. Um, the number 40 song on country radio has mm-hmm. more plays than that. Like the number, the number one song on country radio right now in the U S has 60 million listeners per month. So 20 times more list like spins than Mm. rock. It's that's, what's popular in the U S it's country, country and, um, top 40, which is pop and hip hop. 
Okay. Well, pop and hip hop, I think they've always been like this, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but but, but have you seen like country take over rock? I mean, country's always been a thing. Mm-hmm. Like in the 90s it was super popular. Um mm-hmm. you know, a lot of big country artists started coming out in the 80s. And country's different now too. When it was back in the day when it was like 70s, 80s, 90s, mm-hmm. there's it was a different sound what a lot of people say is traditional country now. Yeah. The country that's on the radio now mm-hmm. is very pop influenced. There's 808 beats and like snap and clap samples and a lot of auto tune. Mm-hmm. It's very influenced by hip hop. You can hear it in the delivery of vocal melodies. Um, and I find that so fascinating because a lot of country fans claim mm-hmm. to hate rap and hip hop, yet all of their favorite artists are, <laughs> that's what they're listening to. Like when we toured, mm-hmm. we, we did a huge tour uh, like three or four years ago with the artist mm-hmm. I was working for, we opened for this guy named Luke Bryan, who's arguably one of the biggest country artists in the US. We were doing mm-hmm. stadiums, football stadiums, like 60,000 people at times, just for a show. It wasn't a festival, it was just a show. Um, between, between changeovers and the bands, mm-hmm. they're playing hip hop to the crowd. So it's like, <laughs> Yeah, it's that like, makes no sense. Yeah. I, I know, and to them, it's they're trying to set like this this party vibe for everybody to get into it. So it's so funny to me that a lot of these these country fans say that they hate rap and hip hop and all that stuff, yet they're mm. they'll listen to it when they're at a show. Um, a lot of these country artists, when they do covers or mm-hmm. stuff like that, they'll cover like a hip hop song in their set, but they'll turn it into a country song. Like I can't mm-hmm. tell you how many times I've heard you know, country artists cover big popular hip hop songs. And it's, it's just, it's so weird to me. Um, but yeah, like country has totally overtaken rock and roll for sure. You've still got Mm -hmm. your staple classic rock bands. Like, you know, the Rolling Stones are still selling out stadiums, no problem, stuff like that. But in terms of like, you know, the more modern bands that like probably you and I are familiar with when we were growing up, like, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. Papa Roach is still touring. Seven Dust mm-hmm. is still touring. Like mm-hmm. um, they're playing clubs. They're playing yeah. clubs when there are country artists that in their careers are smaller than them playing bigger shows mm-hmm. because country's more mm-hmm. popular. I see. It's, that's 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 something I didn't know. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you have you guys haven't toured in North America yet, right? excuse me uh no we haven't but we will this year <laughs> yes one um i don't know if it's announced or if it's something you can say but when are you coming over here uh it's not announced but um we uh let me just quickly check the dates uh, actually while you're checking this is actually funny enough one uh-huh. of my really good friends is a um talent buyer for um live nation and i was talking uh-huh. to him the other day and I yeah. brought I brought you guys up, and okay. because he was asking about he was asking about another band, and I was like, dude, have you got uh-huh. have you have you heard Bloodywood's album yet? And he he actually told me, uh, uh-huh. he he has a hold on booking you guys right now. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So and for, uh, that, for that is true. Yeah. For listeners, a hold a hold doesn't mean that the show has been booked or anything's confirmed. It just means he has an offer in on trying to get Bloodywood to play somewhere. Yeah, yeah. So, um, 
in fact we just got our dates yesterday uh, possible dates yeah. almost every date is on hold right now so uh, we'll probably come down in sep- the end of september till the mid of october okay. just a probability you know uh, it still depends on a lot of things a lot of things most importantly our visas which yeah. are insanely hard to get dude uh, for the us that okay this is probably going to frustrate you but i've heard that <laughs> from other people mm-hmm. for us as americans to go work somewhere else is like virtually no problem i don't yeah. understand <laughs> i don't understand like i worked mm. for i worked for a canadian band i was the only american mm-hmm. on the crew and mm-hmm. they asked they're like how do you never have problem like when they found out that i didn't have to get a visa to go to canada they were like, wait, you just, <laughs> you just came in? And I was like, yeah. yeah they are like, dude, yeah. we have to get visas and everything just to come in from Canada. And I was like, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's That's the way the world works, man. You know, it's... Yeah. And, you know, you you see that a lot. I mean, the, the you see that the most at European airports, okay? Um, it's, I mean, I'm... Again, I'm not complaining here, but it's it's so apparent when you have to, um, you know, check in for your flight. You're trying to board your flight on time, okay? And there are two people that are catering to about 100 people waiting in line. And there are four people that are catering to maybe two guys waiting in line because there's a separate section for um, American slash EU citizens. And there's a separate section for the rest of the world. So it's, you know, it's it's just so apparent over there that there is an advantage and there mm-hmm. is a disadvantage to things. But that's how the world is. And, you know, even though we did spend a lot of time waiting in those lines, it was, we, we, we've met the most amazing people just, yeah. you know, just, just waiting in those lines. And from all over the place, you know, just besides this area, collectively cursing our, you know, our luck. It's funny, you know, it, it's generally more fun than, you know, frustrating. Yeah. Well, if you guys, uh, if those tours, if that, if those dates get confirmed, mm-hmm. let me know if you need a tour manager or something. I was going to talk to you about it. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll come work for you guys. Seriously, one of the Amazing. craziest things about this YouTube thing is, um, mm-hmm. I was I was talking to Hannes about this on the last podcast, but I was telling him, in my career of being a roadie mm-hmm. and working for bands, I've never really had the luxury of like choosing the bands I want to work with. In in the sense of like, I've never really gotten a tour with a band that at the time I was like really into it's just something that was presented Mm -hmm. to me and that's like when I first started working for this country artist like I'd never heard of him ever and I was just like yeah "Yeah, okay I'll take it but now that I've started meeting all these bands on YouTube and stuff Mm -hmm. it's starting to become like kind of a thing like I've had bands that are like, yeah, we know you're you're not really touring right now because you just had a kid and stuff, but if we come over there, would you come out with us? Like for example, the Eskimo Cowboy thing and stuff like that. So, yeah. It's yeah. starting it's starting to become kind of a thing where it's like, yeah, I might I might leave the house for a few times a year and go work with these bands that I actually like. And in the case of yeah. in the case of like you guys, I'll tell you right now, 
I'm, I'm not even really worried about getting paid. It's just like, bring me out there. Let's shoot some YouTube content and have a good time. You know, you know, we, we can always, always discuss that um, yeah. because we are looking for someone to, you know, so I'll be honest with you, you know, because it's our first tour in the US and how uh, it works in the rock and metal world. I don't know about the rest of the genres that um, the first time you tour, you don't get paid a lot. No. You know, that's your proving ground kind of situation. So we're pretty sure we're going to sell out everything <laughs> because, yeah. you know, we, we know everyone's been dying for, uh, you know, a, an appearance in the US. So we're very confident about that. But, uh, you know, we can always talk about uh, how to, you know, manage that uh, yeah. in terms of time and money and all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure we can work something out, you know. Yeah, I don't want to, I, I mean, again, the one thing that we've never done is have anyone ever work for us for free. Never. Yeah. So that's not, I, I, please don't oh. feel that I'm going to throw in that kind of a oh, I'm not, curveball I'm, at you that we're yeah, not going to make any money. Clarify. So why should you make any money? No, yeah. Not, just to clarify, not I'm not offering to work for free. I'm just saying, I don't need to, <laughs> I don't need to get paid a ton. Yeah. One of the funniest conversations I had when I was talking to Eskimo Cowboys manager, mm -hmm. he was mm -hmm. like, He's like, yeah, so we want you to come out in guitar tech. What's your, what's your normal day rate? And I was like, mm -hmm. well, it's kind of hard to calculate that because uh, country is really interesting where they don't do your country day, rate. day rate is different. Well, <laughs> yeah. and they, they pay, they pay yearly salaries. So like oh, I, I was, so no matter how many shows we did a year, I was mm -hmm. still getting paid the same every week. So I told oh. Eskimo Callboy's manager that, and he was like, okay, we'll divide it by whatever, how many shows you think we're going to do. And I was like, all right. So I did the math and I was like, okay, this is what my day rate would be. And he's like, we absolutely cannot afford that. And I was like, I know that's, <laughs> it's, I'm not trying, I'm not trying to like make a ton of money off you guys. My point here is yeah. that like, you know, with in situations like this, especially with the connection from YouTube to them and you guys and stuff like that, it's like, pay me what you feel is appropriate and you can. And mm -hmm. let me shoot some YouTube content out there traveling with you guys. And that's, yeah. it's going to be fun for everybody. And then everybody that watches gets to see it. And like, I'm more in it for the experience and the good time at this point than I am for trying to make money. Because like I said, the YouTube thing mm -hmm. has, has allowed me to pay our bills and take care of our family, yeah. not yeah. making a ton extra, but I have no mm -hmm. complaints in that department at all. So if I go back out on the road at this point, it's mm -hmm. going to be for the experience and the good time more so than the financial benefit from it. And for like, sure. And, you know, I think what you have is unprecedented. It's not been done before. Um, it's, it's, uh, you know, just hats off, man. You know, you, you, you've made your own path. Oh, you know, you. I've never heard of a, uh, a roadie ever saying that they got to choose which band to work with. Yeah. They get to choose, you know, which, which tour they want to go on or which they don't want to go on. And, you know, just it's, it's, I mean, and I'm not, I'm not saying that you got lucky or anything, man. I, it's, yeah. it's all the, it's all the hard work and, well, you know, putting the right thing at the right, in the right place. So hats off dude. you know, oh, that's, that's kind of the dream for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. I will admit though, there is a sense of luck that goes into a lot of this. There really is. And I say that because when I have people ask me that are interested in working for bands and they're like, how did you start working for a band? I was like, 
right place at the right time. And it was about who I knew. And that's mm -hmm. a pretty much how I've gotten every job in the industry. Now, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. I work hard and my reputation precedes myself, but it's all about making a previous connection. Almost every job yeah. I've ever gotten in the music industry has been because mm -hmm. I met somebody at some point that thought of mm -hmm. me later down the line and offered me a job or brought my name up to somebody else. So there is a certain sense of who you know, being in the right place yeah. at the right time and stuff like that as well. Um, yeah. But the music industry is also very small and people know if you suck or you're an asshole. And so like that kind of stuff travels yeah. fast too. Yeah, yeah. It is like, you know, again, with, with everything in life, I feel you need to be good at two things. You need two basic skills, people skills and Google skills. <laughs> you know, if you, if you have, if you, if you're good at these two, there's, you know, you can literally do anything, mm -hmm. anything, you know, you need to, if you can, if you know how to ask Google the right question, you can learn anything. Right. Yeah. And if you can talk to people, if you, if you're good with people, you know, it's just, you just need to put your mind towards one thing and you're done. Yeah. And part of that, you know, being good with people too, is knowing how to treat people. Like I've worked yeah. with, I've my, listen, from my experience of meeting people all over the world and stuff, I always treat anybody I meet with immediate respect unless they give me a reason not to. And even if they give me a reason not to, there's no reason to be an asshole towards that person just because. Like, I've worked with yeah. a lot of people on the road that their way of doing things is to be kind of an asshole and to get on people about stuff. Dude, I've had way more success working on the road being nice to everybody and stuff like that. Cause I've seen guys like, you know, when you do festivals like you guys have and you do local shows, there's always the local crew that helps you unload stuff and set up the stage. And yeah. I've worked with people that just treat the local crew like shit all the time that are like, they're not roadies. They're just here to help us and whatever. Ugh. And I'm like, dude, not only will you get people to work for you better if you treat them kind, but they'll also remember you. I can't tell you how many yeah. venues I've gone back to where mm -hmm. I, I see the same person I saw like a year before and that we remember each other from working with each other because we were nice mm -hmm. and we liked each other, you know? Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's definitely something that, you know, that the industry needs mm -hmm. be nicer people. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like yeah. the music industry is is cutthroat. Like oh, people, man. people that aren't in it don't realize like the music industry is a very, just like any other big corporation. It is a very shady yeah. cutthroat business. Oh, don't even get me started. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like, you know, people assume that as artists, you're meant to be poor. Okay. You're meant to be uh, under a lot of debt to make a record and, you know, to just survive you know you're supposed to survive off advances mm -hmm. apparently you're supposed to uh you know be in debt 24 7 uh and when so in our conversation previously with labels they would just be surprised at the fact that we don't need their money okay they'd be like what you don't need money <laughs> but you're in india <laughs> so <they'd be> like, <laughs> oh yeah guys, listen you know it's it's not like that we've got an amazing uh, support base, you know, our patrons are amazing, you know, we've got 
YouTube going on. We we know how to record ourselves and you know shoot our own videos and all that. So what are you saying? How do you have all of this sorted out? You know, it's I mean, and I just keep thinking these guys are so old school. Yeah, so old school that you know they really need to adapt quickly. And you know who've adapted quickly? Rappers. They yeah. changed the game. Like hip hop artists, they've changed the game. And you know, the world's first distribution agreement. only distribution agreement where the artist keeps 80% and the label gets 20% was because one hip hop artist said this is not how I'm going to do music or my business and he changed everything i'm forgetting his name because i'm horrible with names but <laughs> that guy just changed it well, all for everyone i don't know if it is but i know like chance the rapper like it, the stuff he 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 self releases everything Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like has But no. I'm talking about the person who did that back in yeah. the '90s. So that's where uh, the distribution agreement started. Now, uh, again, like people like Chance the Rapper, they're saying you don't even need distribution agreement. Mm-hmm. All you need to do is put your music online, and you know you've got you can do that for twenty dollars a month, blah blah blah. But that's for hip hop artists. Yeah, we can't do that yet because. people still buy CDs people still buy vinyls yeah. you know and uh, that's that's kind of hard to do yeah yeah but i see from my perspective um i mm-hmm. do see the landscape changing especially with labels like um orbit culture is a great example of that because when i talked to nicholas mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you know they put out such a great record in 2021 and then they just put out or sorry in 2020 and then they put out a great ep in 2021 and i and they're signed with Seek and Strike Records which is like a pretty small mm. independent label in the US and i asked oh, is them is it Seek and Strike or Seek and Destroy Seek and Strike okay yeah um okay they have they have orbit culture um actually mm-hmm. most of the bands they have are non US bands which is kind of wild cuz they're a US label but i okay. asked him i was like surely you guys had to have been courted by other labels he's like oh yeah we talked to everybody he goes everybody you mm. could think of in the metal game we talked to him but mm-hmm. we went with seek and strike because they gave us the freedom for our creativity and everything that we wanted these other labels wanted way bigger deals than we were comfortable with they wanted us mm-hmm. recording with other people where with mm-hmm. seek and strike they basically let us do everything we want to do and labels mm-hmm. are going to start finding out that's very important to artists now man the the bands don't yeah. need to rely on the labels anymore to do what they want to do yeah 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 they they definitely need to update their mindset man yeah. you know because otherwise it's just everything's going digital it's about time that you know even rock and metal goes completely digital mm-hmm. uh, and at that point the labels will just be they, they won't have any reason to exist yeah and, except but yeah go ahead no i was really quick i was going to say you're starting to see the change with labels on youtube as well um when mm-hmm. i first started doing reactions mm-hmm. um i got copyright claims blocks all that's on everything i did everything mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and then i started just getting into this mindset of like well maybe i should just reach out to these labels and see if they'd be comfortable kind of working in cooperation with me like yeah. doing their stuff yeah and i in the last year about the last year i've seen a big change in the attitude of how labels feel mm. about reactions online cuz at first yeah. when i first started it every single label was like no like you can't use our material let's it's this is ours you can't use it 
But now, <laughs> some of the younger yeah. labels, now the major labels that are run mm -hmm. by all these like old school mindset corporate people, yeah. they still don't yeah. get it. They still don't get yeah, it at all. Yeah, 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 but the younger That's labels, nuts, and I'll, mm -hmm. I'll, I'm comfortable saying it out loud, it's like Napalm Records, um, mm -hmm. Nuclear Blast, Seek and Strike, mm -hmm. um, AFM, like th there's, there's so many I could list, but the point that I want to make is they have seen what can be done for bands with the attention from reactions and they yeah. are now approving reactors to use their material for their reactions yeah. so yeah pretty much everything i do on my channel i've mm -hmm. basically asked for permission for lack of a better word because i think the younger people that are working at these labels are finally realizing like this is free promotion for these bands like that is true like, that is true like we don't have to yeah. spend a dime on marketing because there's a hundred reactors that are going to do a video on this song yeah so yeah. that's that, changing that, that's too. very true you know mm -hmm. that's it's it's a symbiotic relationship you know yeah. uh between artists and reactors or you know reviewers or anything it's a it's a very important symbiotic relationship right now which you know not just labels distributors have a hard time understanding yeah. So, you know, when, when we were, when we were starting out with uh, the recent releases, we had planned to send out our videos to as many reactors before they're actually out. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and what we told them was, listen, uh, if you're on board, you know, we will get your video whitelisted. Okay. There won't be any copyright claim. It's completely up to you if you want to do it. And if you want to do it, just do it like a day before and you release it the moment uh, the video releases. Uh, so that you know it's it's beneficial for everyone mm -hmm. uh the distributor agreed once twice and then the third time i asked uh the representative from the distributor they were like this is not exactly a part of our deal and you know what you're doing you know it's probably going to piss off the higher ups I'm like, what's this about yeah <laughs> like come on like what are you losing a yeah. few dollars yeah, because because yeah. I'll I'll be completely honest with you right now, and I like mm -hmm. I've I've been honest with people that watch YouTube too. They want to know how much money reactors are making because everybody sees oh. some reaction videos that are making hundreds of thousands of views, and they're like, "Oh, these reactors are making so much money from these bands." I'll tell you right now. Actually, while we're sitting here talking, mm -hmm. I'll mm -hmm. I'll I'll pull up my YouTube analytics and I'll I'll tell you what kind of money we're talking because that is one of the big arguments is that a lot of people that are against reactions are saying that it's mm -hmm. taking money from the labels and bands um so for example i'll just pull up a recent video that i did um mm -hmm. let's say here sabaton a, a recent mm -hmm. sabaton video i did for the unkillable soldier mm -hmm. in a month I've made $100 in ad revenue off of that video. And the mm. other thing that for people to keep in mind is that most of the views that reaction videos get are within mm -hmm. the first week of that release. Right. So in the lifetime of that video being on my channel, can't really imagine that it's going to make more than that. And I'm not complaining. I'm just saying yeah. that so people actually hear a number and know like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. They, they and, need to know that, you know, it's not it's not like someone's stealing yeah. from anyone else. They don't get the the whole, you know, the way this thing works. And, you know, again, hats off to the YouTube generation. 
mm-hmm. for really changing the game and you know it it like reactors and reviewers they give us a chance to fight the algorithm you get mm-hmm. me which is so biased towards um hip hop and you know uh pop or whatever you may you know bollywood in our case so it's 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 literally you guys you know because uh you you bring new audience to us the algorithm understands okay this might be something people are interested in and then it sends it to new people and then we get those comments that i'm here from the algorithm that's when we know it works yeah and yeah, that's that's the kind of you know that's that's the kind of symbiotic relationship everyone should be okay with mm-hmm. you know it's not like a reactor is going to make get more views off the like than the original or something you know you yeah. get me so it's yeah it's it's weird why there's so much problem if it and, were up to bands i'm sure no one would disagree oh i've never up to bands i i recently did a video on my channel where i i asked i reached out to bands and labels and i said hey you mm-hmm. don't have to give me your name if you don't want to but i want to make a video with mm-hmm. like actual statistics and quotes from bands and labels what they feel about reaction videos Mm-hmm. Every single band and label and label that I talked to mm-hmm. all said they were for reaction videos. A lot of them gave me direct quotes on what they think. Like uh, one of the mm-hmm. A&R reps at Century Media Records told me that he's mm-hmm. like, we're in, a, we're in a phase right now where reactors on YouTube are becoming mm-hmm. like the new music journalists that we used to see in the 90s yeah. where there was print magazines and stuff. Yeah. The yeah. only people that didn't get a hold of me or respond to me, the publishers. <laughs> And it's it's funny because Mm -hmm. in my experience with some of these labels, the publishers will listen to the labels. If a label tells a publisher to drop a copyright claim or whitelist it, Mm -hmm. they will. But if a band does it directly, not as much of a chance. Like you just told me, you know, um, I know who your publisher is. I'm not going to say it out loud just in case, but you were just saying that they were kind of combative with you guys trying to whitelist, yeah. you know, reactors doing your videos. I just had yeah. this happen with another band. Um, they, mm-hmm. they reached out to me and asked mm-hmm. me to do a reaction to their video. And mm-hmm. I, of course I did because I already liked mm-hmm. their band and they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll mm-hmm. get it whitelisted for you. And I was like, yeah, no problem. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I filmed the reaction. I sent them the link. Mm-hmm. And after about five days, the copyright claim was still on it. And I, I got back a hold of them and I was like, hey, not a huge deal, but um, this never got cleared. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they basically came back and they're like, yeah, our, our publisher is saying they won't. And I'm just like, interesting. Like, so the publishers aren't even listening yeah. to the bands. Like, that's it's, it's that's stuff what's like wild. This that, yeah, 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 yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's stuff like this that kind of keeps us away from, you know, being not being independent even though we're not 100% independent right now because yeah. of the distribution and you know the publishing and whatever but yeah i, I get what you're talking about yeah it's 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 kind of wild man and then yeah. you know the other the other thing that i find hilarious is when um when publishers block or issue copyright strikes on videos the block doesn't make sense to me at all because okay if the if the issue here is you think they're taking money then yeah. keep the copyright claim on there and just take all their ad revenue. Yeah. What yeah. you're doing by blocking the video is actually hurting the band for exposure that they would get from this. Exactly. Reactor. Yeah. 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 It, it's, in, it's an interesting conversation, man. Even YouTubers, like we talk about all this stuff with each other all the time because mm-hmm. we're so curious. Mm-hmm. And the, the copyright algorithm on YouTube is so hit or miss. Mm-hmm. 
that I have filmed reaction videos mm -hmm. to somebody that I know that just released theirs the day before. And then mm -hmm. mine gets a worldwide block and theirs didn't get mm -hmm. one. But then I've had, I've had it happen the other way around too, where mine doesn't get blocked. Like recently somebody reached out to me and asked me, they're like, Hey, I saw you released a video. How did you get that up? And I was like, what do you mean? Like I tried to upload mine and it got blocked. I was like, mine didn't, I don't know what to tell you. Like <laughs> it's just, it's inconsistent. I wonder who decides all of this. Some guy in some room just pressing yes or no, well, you know? <laughs> dude, I think it's more accurate to that than you would think. Um, so when you upload a video on YouTube, the algorithm mm -hmm. is what gives you your initial copyright, you know? But, yeah. when, but if you file a dispute with it, it goes to yeah. the publisher. We, we think that what these publishers are doing, and I'm not even kidding, because we know they're not reading our disputes because yeah. um, there's another really big reactor, like with mm -hmm. hundreds and hundreds of thousands of more subscribers than I do. Um, mm -hmm. They have said that when they dispute copyright appeals, they leave their video mm -hmm. unlisted. So it's at zero mm -hmm. views. And I do the same. Okay. And they'll, they'll send in a dispute and it'll get mm -hmm. denied and it'll still have zero views on it. So that tells us okay. the publishers aren't reading any of the disputes right. or sending in right. or, or watching the videos. Um, mm. We think that these publishers just basically mm -hmm. grab an intern and go, Hey, once mm -hmm. a week, just go to all the copyrights <laughs> and select all and click deny. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like, Sounds I, like people who who give us visas. <laughs> oh man, and unfortunately, but no, I really, I really think you, that's way more accurate than I think you meant it to be. Like, I think that's what happens. Probably, but <laughs> it is what it is, man. It's like coming from the music industry. I knew when I was doing YouTube content with other people's music, I, I knew that was going to be a thing. I just didn't yeah, think it was going to yeah. be as ridiculous as it is sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 nuts, but. In fact, Nick, I think Nick had to really face the brunt of it um, when he decided to not do reactions at all unless, you know, it's approved, pre-approved by the labels or something yeah. like that, right? That's, so, yeah. that's, kind of, that's kind of where I'm at too, to be honest. For about, mm. the, last, for about the last eight months, 99% yeah. of my reactions have been stuff that I have been told by the band or label they're okay mm -hmm. with me doing before I do it. Actually, funny mm -hmm. enough... And mm -hmm. I, I'm not, I don't want to make you feel bad here because I'm not worried about it. Okay. Your video mm -hmm. it, that I just did uh, a few days ago or whatever is mm -hmm. the only video that I have a copyright claim on on my channel in like the last 30 days. <laughs> because... Did you, did, you, did you reach out to the persons in charge nah. for this? No, because nope. I'm not worried about it. Like, dude, there are, there oh, are cases sure. like with your band... I don't, mm -hmm. I don't care about the monetization. I just like your band and I just wanted to do the, the <laughs> like, seriously. I'm being, no, that's, that's very nice of you to like, you know, it, it honestly, every, every person who does this, you know, we were very grateful to them and we really wish we could uh, do anything about it at this point in time. We yeah. could do it about the first two videos, but this one, you know, they've really put their foot down on it. They were like, mm -hmm. you know, it's not a part of our yeah. deal or whatever it's it's just you know i wish i i could change it man really Dude. because i understand the relationship that you know uh, bands and uh, you know reactors have it's very important in this day and age 
I just wish everyone understood it, man. <laughs> yeah. And, and like I said, dude, it's not a big deal. Mm. Um, a copyright, I'm not worried about. If I get a copyright claim on something, whatever. Don't care. Mm. Now, if I uploaded that reaction and it got blocked or I got a copyright strike on it, I probably would have mm. reached out to him then and been like, yo, what? Like, yeah. you know, like, yeah. you know, but a copyright claim is whatever. And like I said, but if that ever happens, you let me know. Okay? Yeah, 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 for sure. Because and that's, that, yeah. No, I appreciate you saying that because there's other artists that are doing that too. Like um, uh, Arian Lucasen, uh, a lot of people are doing reactions to his stuff, but his mm -hmm. publisher is very strict on blocking videos. And he has openly mm -hmm. said, like, if you ever, if any reactors ever get a block on any one of my reaction, like a reaction you did to my video, just let me know and I will get it unblocked. And he, he, he fights for those people all the time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the way to go, man. That's the way to go, for sure. So, we've uh, I've had you for a couple hours. It's almost midnight there right now. Is right? it? Is it? It's right? always midnight in my room. <laughs> <laughs> that's like me. All my all my windows around me here too. I have blackout yeah. curtains on everything, so when I film and stuff, it looks the same. But yeah. uh, I had I had a quick story for you, really quick. Go ahead. Um, which I feel like I've been talking too much anyways, is that it's all somebody, <laughs> somebody's going to leave. So you probably figure I'm a very talkative person too. There's always yeah. one or two people that every time I do an interview or a podcast are like, you mm -hmm. talk too much. And I'm like, mm, okay, cool. <laughs> that's the point. I was like, well, that's, you know, it's, it's our conversation we're having. People just get to watch, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I have a, I have a funny story for you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that I think you will appreciate and maybe have some cultural input on this. Mm -hmm. So when I was in a band, um, mm -hmm. this was back in like 2006, maybe, mm -hmm. um, we were on tour, but when we were on package tours, we liked every time there was a day off, we like to book our own show. And a lot of universities in the U S have budgets for entertainment where they can have bands come in and do shows for the students and stuff like that. So I reached okay. out, I reached out to uh, Eastern Illinois university, um, mm -hmm on a day off and said, Hey, we're, we're on tour with so-and-so right now, but we have a day off. Could we play on your campus for students? And they were like, yeah, we actually mm -hmm. have an event going on that same day that this would be perfect for entertainment for. And we're like, Oh, okay, cool. Okay. So we booked this show. They didn't tell us what it was for. We booked mm -hmm. the show and we show up to the EIU campus and we find out we are playing a show for a, like a festival that the Indian Students Association was putting on. And we walk in, all of us wearing... I know where this is going. <laughs> we, we walk in, all of us wearing yeah. like skinny jeans and studded belts and stuff. And it's like, it is, it's the entire Indian Students Association of Eastern Illinois University all dressed up and stuff like that. And we're like, my guitar player, you know appropriately so at the time my guitar player was like what did you just book us for i was like i have no idea so we meet um we meet the person that was in charge of everything and they were so nice and they're like thank you so much for playing this is going to be really fun like everybody's been excited about it and we're like really and and you got to keep in mind like we're a band that nobody there probably knows like we're you know an opening mm -hmm. band on a tour so mm -hmm. they're like yeah we're going to set up in this auditorium over here and it was it was a classroom it was like a like a university level like stadium yeah. seating classroom so yeah. they have us set up and they um 
we sound check and stuff like that. And then when it comes mm-hmm. time for showtime, we're all kind of like, all right, let's just get through this. This is going to be really weird. Like it's going to be awkward, whatever. Like, let's just put on a good show. Yeah, dude, we start playing and there's probably, there's probably 200 students. Mm-hmm. Those people lost their fucking minds. They, <laughs> they, to this day, are my favorite crowd I've ever played to in my entire life. There's video mm-hmm. of it online. A- after, <laughs> dude, after this interview. I have to see this. I have to see this. After this interview, I'm going to try yeah. and find this video. Uh, I think it's still okay. on YouTube. But um, we start playing, and everybody packs in front of the stage. And yeah. for the length of the set, like the whole hour, people are fucking dancing their asses off and chanting and going crazy. And I'm like, this is amazing. And I guess the, I tell you that story to, to, to ask you the question, like, mm-hmm. is that very common for Indian culture with stuff like that, like the dancing and the chanting and for any kind of performance? It's very common in colleges. Okay. It is super common in colleges. So in India, we've got a, a college festival culture where, you know, the only time you can tour is during college festivals because they're the biggest crowd and they're the best crowd in all honesty. They're the guys who will go nuts. Like, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's uh, rock or blues or, you know, I have seen like, it wasn't a very nice sight, but I have seen people moshing to singer songwriter stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It was, it was awkward, but it's just this, just something about the college crowd in when it comes to Indians, they're like, they just want to, you know, let loose, you know, they just want to, if there's a band playing, they're just going to be there. Uh, It doesn't matter what the genre is. They're going to enjoy it. And we, you know, we, as, as bloody would, we have to play yet have to play in front of a college audience. We're really looking forward to it. Um, And, but, but to answer your question, it is, it is a common thing for only that little, uh, you know, age where you're in, you know, this, this period of time when, when you're in a college yeah, and then it just goes away, man. I don't know where it goes <laughs> away, but you, you don't see that elsewhere. So, yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. it's just, it was just so such, it was one of the more crazy experiences where, you know, going, go the expectations you have for things like going in, you're like, all right, let's just get through this. Yeah. And it turned out to be one of my favorite things we ever did. And <laughs> it's actually funny because one of the, one of the musicians in town that I know that I've toured with, um, hmm. his name's Sid. He, um, he was, he was born here, but his parents uh, moved here from India. So he very hmm. much grew up in the Indian culture. Uh, hmm. I, I recently reached out to him cause he, the only reason that I know about like Bollywood and that culture is from him. Like he was explaining okay. it to me on tour one day and I was just like, that's insane. Like, yeah, he's like, dude, Bollywood runs everything in India. Everything, <laughs> like, man. Everything. Um, yeah. So I, I texted him recently. And I was like, have you ever heard, have you listened to bloody wood yet? And he goes, no, but just by the name, this has got to be something Indian. Right. And I was like, yeah. And I'll admit the reason I'm telling you about it is also because you're Indian and I want you to see this. And he's like, no, I haven't heard of him. (laughs) So I kind of gave him your background and told him what you're doing. And Mm -hmm. I sent him, um, I sent him the live performance of Machi Basad and then Mm -hmm. the music video for Aj. And he was like, Mm -hmm. this is 
fucking amazing. He's like, <laughs> I've never, he goes, I've never heard like the doll used like this in any of this. He goes, dude, he's like, these guys are onto something. And I was like, we'll see, man. <laughs> All right. All right. We went, I, I'm glad he liked it. And, yeah. you know, generally what happens is, you know, um, Indian metalheads are generally very old school. Okay. They're very into thrash, into, um, you know, the even the Black Sabbath kind of stuff. For some reason, I, I still don't understand it. Yeah. And uh, it's generally these people who are on our videos and they're like, this is not real Indian metal. If you want to listen to Indian metal, you know, listen to some pure bands like X and X and Y and Y. And, you know, we've got those bands. But it's generally those people. I'm so, I, that makes me extra glad that, you know, uh, he responded so positively to it. Yeah. Being a middle himself. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's, it was just, it's so cool to see people's response to this music, man. I mean, it again, <laughs> it is something very unique that I don't, and I think you guys succeeded in creating something that the world hasn't really heard. And it's just fantastic. Um, so it is now midnight for you. Um, <laughs> before we go, I always mm -hmm. like to ask this question to any artist, just so people can hear it from their mouth. Um, whether it's financial. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. I've got a few questions for you. Okay, okay, go ahead. Yeah, let's do that. All right. So I'm not sure whether you've heard of this community called Bloodywood Raj posting on Facebook. Oh, I'm not this... on Facebook. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, cool, cool. All right. So before coming on to this podcast, I just left a message over there that I'm going to speak to Tank. Hit me with some stupid questions to ask him. Oh my <laughs> God. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm just let me let me see if anyone actually. No, you're oh, fine. Yeah, there are there are there are a few comments. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Uh, ask him to say something in Hindi. Okay. Uh, are you familiar with anything in Hindi at all? No, I mean other than no? the lyrics from your music. No. All right. So I'm gonna ask you to say this. Okay. It's 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 a very popular. Uh, dialogue from Bollywood. Okay? okay, try to repeat after me. Oh, Kalia, kitne admi the? Oh, Kalia, kitne admi the? No, that close enough. Close enough. What did I just say? <laughs> nothing, nothing. It's it's so it's it's a it's a very famous dialogue from a cult Indian movie where you know this person asks this other person called Kalia. He asks this person, how many men were there? You know, it's, I don't even know the reference. It's such a popular dialogue, but I don't even, I just know that the dialogue's very popular. So, all right. Not bad. Yeah. Um, Man, I feel dumb now. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't be, don't be. I mean, okay. Uh, do you like dogs? I love dogs. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, love I dogs. already know the answer. Yeah, to we that talked about, yeah, we've, we've got two, we've got two here. Okay. Ideas for Jayanth, how to get his beard more fluffier. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. The only, I'll just give you my, what I do. First of all, people are yeah. like, how do you, people always ask, how do you get your beard so long? My answer mm -hmm. is don't shave. That's, I, 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 don't, I don't do anything. I just don't shave. Um, nice. But I do, every time I shower, I use mm -hmm. a shampoo and conditioner, like beard shampoo and conditioner. Mm -hmm. And that will, that will keep it fluffier, but I also put okay. uh beard oil in it after I shower, but that's it. 
Like, and I, I don't really brush it out too much because you can yeah. like straighten it too much and stuff like that. I just kind of do it with my hands and do that. And that's it. Well, I don't think Jayant is going to really put even half of that effort into it. So, <laughs> but I will let him know. Yeah. I will let him know. Can you ask him to do the rap part of Danadan? <laughs> oh my <laughs> God, no chance. <laughs> Dude, and actually, since you brought that up, I think that yeah. was the one part when I first heard that song that I really I was just like, God damn. And it's it's not just Raul. It's, yeah. it's Jayant as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, do yeah. both their parts are unreal i showed that music video to my wife and she mm -hmm. was like even with the subtitles i cannot keep up right now i yeah, was like dude yeah, it's yeah, fast yeah yeah it's yeah. It, it is quite fast they both of them did a really good great job oh on that dude those those song. two yeah. those two are two of my favorite vocalists right now i'm not gonna lie like <laughs> I, I, I love those two guys man. oh man i let them know it's gonna make their day yeah um so ask him which album would he take on a desert island if you could choose one uh, and had something to listen, have had something to listen with. I don't know what that means. Probably have someone to listen with, but uh, you can't choose bloody good. Okay. okay. <laughs> so this I'm is... going to put that out because it should be completely unbiased. Well, I will, I will fully admit right now. Um, mm -hmm. Bloody wood, your newest CD that is, is, mm -hmm absolutely the most played thing on my Spotify in the last three weeks. I would be willing to bet right now that mm -hmm. at the end of the year, when Spotify does those end of the year wrapped things, mm -hmm. um, my top 10 songs will have at least five bloody wood tracks from that album. In Amazing. All right. Um, All right. So any album, <laughs> God, these are mm -hmm. such hard questions because yeah, this I'm, one's hard. Cause music, music is for emotions and moods as well. Yeah. So, God, I'll probably just go with an old faithful for me. Mm -hmm. Either Hate Crew Death Roll by Children of Bodom. Mm -hmm. That's one. Mm. Mm -hmm. Or Colony by In Flames is probably Colony by In Good Flames choices. is probably my my go to. I mean, that's, yeah. and the reason I go it's gonna to pick you up and also make you angry. <laughs> well, and yes, the reason I go to those is yeah. because like we were talking about earlier with music tying into emotions, those are mm. albums that I listen to as a teenager when as teenagers, we go through ranges of yeah. emotions and I, I connect to those albums a lot, but man, God, that's, that's why dude, even the question of like, when people are like, who are your top five favorite bands? I was like, I, I, I can't do that. It changes with time. It, it changes. changes with yeah, always, all the time. Yeah, yeah. all the time. Now, uh, are there it, any more? I I don't think there are any. I mean, the other ones they just yeah, they're gonna make me look stupid. No, it's okay. <laughs> uh, like it is funny though. Yeah. If you want to go off like based off tattoos, there is only mm -hmm. one band I actually have a tattoo of. I have their logo, and that is In Flames. I have their logo on the back of my arm. Um, nice. I am, however, considering. Mm -hmm getting a bloody wood tattoo as well. So, all right. Yeah. All right. So Don't there's actually quite a few, it, there's actually quite a few bands on my list right now of, of next tattoos. Yeah. Amazing. If, if that ever happens, you have to send me a photo and then oh, I'll send absolutely. it to the Rash posting community. And or, like, yeah, or, one more, this, one more. <laughs> or if you guys come to the States, I'll wait until yeah. either a, I'm out with you guys, or I can go to a show that you're near and I'll get it with you guys. Yeah. Amazing, amazing, man. That would be something, really. <laughs>
Yeah, man. Yeah. So there was one question that you wanted to ask me. Okay. So the oh, question. Wait. I, there's this. This. Sorry. There's one question I want to ask you. All okay. Right? This, that was from the rest of the guys. So, yeah. um, have what advice do you have for us? Okay, knowing what stage we're in. Dude, this is mm-hmm. gonna sound really, probably not the answer you're looking for. Mm-hmm. But I think I would just say keep doing what you're doing right now. You guys are doing everything right from what I'm seeing. You guys are making better decisions and doing things that I've seen established bands that have been around for for years not do. Just from watching your documentary, the amount of time mm-hmm. that you put into crafting your sound before you do shows and working like, dude, the scene where you guys were in your rehearsal space and doing like leg lifts and working out and stuff, <laughs> dude, my band used to do that before shows. We actually used to run yeah. through our set and jog yeah. in place while we were playing our guitars yeah. to get our endurance yeah. on. Like, yeah. dude, seriously, man, you guys right now, in my opinion, from what I've seen mm-hmm. from you guys are doing everything that a band needs to do to really just be on the right path, man. And you guys are doing things that other bands aren't even doing. So um, I think in the day and age that we're in, mm-hmm. and you guys are already doing this, um, mm-hmm. it is very important to keep up with your your community. It's very easy for the for lots of bands nowadays to just put things out and, and expect everybody's just gonna listen mm. and be like, oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the bands that have been interacting with their fans and mm. have been welcoming that community that you're getting, you're seeing that loyalty. And there are bands that are doing a great job at this right now. And in my opinion, those are the bands that are standing out above everybody else. Like um, take uh, Ronnie Radke from Falling in Reverse, for example. Yeah. On on his Twitch stream, he, mm-hmm. he, re, he watches every reaction that people put up to his new music videos. Now, half the time he's being sarcastic and funny about it because that's just his personality, but he watches every video, he thanks the people that did it, and Mm. that to me is the move that shows an artist genuinely cares about how Mm. people are taking their music. And there are bands that I've done reactions to that leave comments, which is always super great when I see bands that are in live premieres or leaving comments. Mm -hmm. And then you have some bands that don't do anything. Like I have, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter what level they are. I've reacted Mm -hmm. to bands that would be considered like a low level band that Mm -hmm. don't leave me a comment or share a reaction Mm -hmm. or whatever. And they don't need to, I'm not trying to drag them down for that. But on the flip side of that, I've had bands like Sabaton who are mm-hmm. huge. Yeah. They're rep- massive, reposting yeah. reaction videos, leaving comments, stuff like that. And that right there mm. is the, is the, the difference is the longevity of a band. If you build that loyalty with your community and your fans and actually treat them as yeah. part of that family. Yeah. That's yeah. that's you guys are already doing it, man. You're on the right path. Okay. Okay. Thanks, dude. <laughs> of course. Seriously. I, I mean, when I told you before we started this interview that I was, mm-hmm. I was really excited about this, I mean that because I think, in my opinion, you guys are, I think you guys are going to go down in metal history. You guys are at the beginning of something <laughs> very, very special. <laughs> Thank you, dude. Thank of you. I really, hope, I really hope that happens. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited yeah. to see where you guys go, man. I mean... The, it is not often 
that I get an album and I'm able mm -hmm. to listen to it from start to finish without. Now, when I get an album, I always listen to it from start to finish to get the vibe mm -hmm. of the whole thing. I usually sit back here and turn off my yeah. distractions and just listen. Yeah. But after a while, when you listen to music, there are songs that you may get tired of or that you don't connect to yeah, immediately. Yeah. And sometimes in that album, you skip them. Yeah. I have never once skipped a song on this album as I've been listening to it. That's that is, man, I, I'd skip so many songs. <laughs> oh, and the funny thing yeah. is my, yeah. my favorites are not necessarily, well, I guess they would be because my, mm -hmm. my favorites, I, if I'm being honest, I think mm -hmm. Aj is one of the best songs I've heard in recent years. I think that song, that song made me fucking cry the first time I heard it. I'm not even kidding. Uh, like I, I it just, <laughs> I don't know what it is. Yeah. It might be your, mm -hmm. your whistle playing because I'm a sucker for mm -hmm. folk and stuff like that. But yeah. just the chorus of that song is so powerful. Mm -hmm. um, Endurant is another one of my favorites. Okay. But but again, dude, start to finish, that CD is <laughs> a fucking work of art, man. I'm so glad you like it, man. Oh, I'm so of course. glad you like it. <laughs> so, well, um, yeah. we're, dude, this is, I honestly, I'm not going to do this to you because it's midnight but i i just i feel like we could sit here and talk about so much stuff um Tell me about it man. <laughs> but, but to yeah. to kind of mm. wrap this up the one thing i want to ask mm. you that i always ask everybody mm. um whether it's financial or not what would you say is the best way that people can support you guys as a band hmm okay whether it's financial or not. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't have to be I think, okay, money. Okay. It could be something as simple as somebody just sharing your music. Hmm. That's actually a very hard question, <laughs> in all honesty, because I don't want to give a cliched answer to this. It's um, funny. I love that you're thinking about this because most people, when I ask them that question, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a fast answer. And it's, it's mm -hmm. either one of two things. It's, just share our share music with music, all your friends. Buy my merch. Or buy my merch and come buy the scene. <laughs> And those things help. Yeah, like let's yeah. let's be honest here. But they, they do they do help. But okay, here's what I think. I think telling a friend about our song that really connects with them at the moment they need it would help us the most. Because that's where we have a lifelong fan right over there. Um you know, sharing our music is just, it's its like, I don't think it's as valuable as, you know, sharing the particular song that that person might like in that particular moment. Not only would it help that person, it would also help the band. So that's probably the best way to support us. That is a fucking great answer, honestly. That's, <laughs> that's, that's so much deeper than just, you know, share our music. And, yeah. and I'll tell you what, I've, I've done that with people. If I have a song mm -hmm. that really deeply makes me feel something and I connect to and know that yeah. somebody else might feel the same, I'll show them that song. That's, that's a great answer, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know how, how I came up with it, but <laughs> no, well, however, however you came up with it, you got there. So, but dude, right. I, I have absolutely enjoyed sitting here with you, man. This has been same awesome. Here, man. If, if, yeah. if, if there's anything, I don't care what it is. If there's anything that I can ever do to help you guys out in any way, just ask, like, like I said, 
you guys are at the start of something very, very special, and I cannot wait to see where this career goes with Bloodywood. Thank you so much, man. And I'm going to pick your brain multiple times yeah, of when, course. We, you know, when it comes to the US and touring and everything. I'll, get, I'll be in touch. You're going to hate me very soon. <laughs> Dude, I promise I will not. I love it. I absolutely love it. So for everybody that's listening, just as a reminder, if you haven't gotten it, Bloodywood's brand new album, Rukshak, is out now, came out February 18th, and then the physicals are coming out April 8th. Um, I'll throw some links below if you're watching this on YouTube where you can go check out that stuff. And uh, yeah, man, one more time. Thank you very much for being here, man. This was fantastic. My absolute pleasure, man. <laughs> awesome. Well, it's, uh, since it's after midnight there, get some rest, have a good one, and I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. Yes, I'm sure about that too. <laughs> All right. right. Take care, man. <laughs> See you. Bye. Man, you talk about a humble, down-to-earth guy. I love this guy, man. That was absolutely fantastic. Went longer than I thought, too. I mean, this is probably going to be over two hours once I go back and listen to this. And it's a lot of stuff that came up that I never would have expected. I feel like we had some really good conversations and got to know each other pretty well, too, man. I felt like we could have sat there for another couple hours talking about stuff, but... I really hope you guys enjoyed it, man. And just as a reminder, again, their brand new album is out digitally right now, everywhere that you listen to music. If you're one of the people that's watching this on YouTube, I'll throw links below where you can go pre-order the physicals if you would like to and check the links where you can go stream it now. And just as a reminder, this podcast is also on Spotify, Apple, Google, and a lot of other places where you can listen to podcasts. So once again, thank you very much, everybody, for listening. You can find me on social media at the handle at TankTheTech, and we will definitely be back very soon. I've got some other interviews that are lined up that are going to be really cool, and I can't wait to continue talking to artists in the future. But thank you one last time. This has been the Back Lounge Podcast. I'm Tank, and I'll see you guys very soon.